looking at you, kid. I'm Charles Foster Kane! Hey, Stella! Suck on this. Everybody, this is Wrong Real episode 490, and it's a podcast for hardcore cinephiles. We tackle everything from John Luc Godard to John Luc Picard, and this is our best of 2019. And last year we didn't get to do this because I got the Ebola virus and I was flinging blood all over my apartment. I was convulsing, I was freaking out. But Mr. Cato and Mr. Penn have returned to lay it on us. What are the best films of the year? So, guys, welcome back to Wrong Real. Thank you. Thank you. Was our last recording together for NYFF? I think so. Well, it was for The Irishman. Yeah, gotcha. yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But we, yeah. we didn't do it. We supplemented to- yeah. the episode yeah. with a, a few other contenders. We'll catch people up out there who have not been in regular contact with you. Marcus, I know you got a wedding right on the horizon with the I wrong contributor yeah. ha- handling the uh, the ceremony. But yes. um, what is life like for you right now? Nothing. Just we're less than two months away. Actually, today... Uh, I was down in the Diamond District. We'll get to that a little bit later. Nice. Um, get, picking out, <clears throat> um, just getting, making sure everything is good for my wedding band. Found a nice um, opal from Ethiopia. Over. Yeah, yeah, that Kevin Garnett's gonna <laughs> steal and not give back to me. But um, other than that, no, I'm. I'm uh, <clears throat> I knew um, February when my wedding is is gonna come, so I've been kind of working hard behind the scenes to make sure we have. Uh, stuff for Pinland Empire like I'm all good through most of February of next year are you pulling um, any strange vows from a film or anything like that or are you keeping it traditional I, I'm 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 thinking of doing I gotta do something movie related and uh, like you had mentioned before uh, Leanne my, my good friend uh, wrong real right regular she's gonna be doing the the, the ceremony this there might be like two wrong real tables at the wedding not, 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 I love it I no, think about it yeah and there's the three of us obviously there's scurry scurry there's all the way from another country yeah, yeah. scurry will be there no, yeah. so at a bare minimum there's be some people around that I can talk about movies with but yeah. I guess my favorite example of somebody pulling vows from a wedding is Jerry Harvey who pulled lines from ride the high country obviously yeah. that marriage ended horribly with yeah. A double murder suicide. Yeah, yeah. So I hope you will do a better job than Jerry Harvey. Yeah, we're definitely no. Oh gosh, <laughs> we're jumping the broom. I know that much. Actually, we're. I'm not going to say what it is. I don't want anyone to steal this. You'll all. You'll. Everyone in the room will see it. And maybe a couple folks listening. But we're doing a new take on jumping the broom uh, at a wedding, and, and 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 you'll see what I mean. And I'll talk about it after because I don't want to give it away. It's such a good idea. But other than that, just doing Pill and Empire all the time. I'm, I'm always on someone's podcast and, you know, Zebras were doing that. Actually, we have a couple of cool uh, 
Zebra's announcements um, <clears throat> in the you know world of sponsorship and, and other stuff, so that's kind of cool. But yeah, PinlandEmpire.com, Zebra's in America, Pink Smoke, all, all that stuff. Beautiful. Yeah. Mr. Cotto, how's the wonderful world of producing treating you? Oh, it's good. It's good. It's been... Uh... You've got a new show to announce. Yes. No, I uh, this Friday, December 20th on Sirius XM, 50s on 5, I am producing Neil Sedaka's radio show debut. He's doing a monthly show called In the Key of Neil, where he'll discuss songs, singers, songwriters from the 50s. Um, it'll air Friday night, uh, December 20th at 8 o'clock Eastern Time, and it'll rerun. Um, I think it's going to be the third Friday of every Now, will it be month. repurposed anywhere online, like on YouTube or iTunes It'll or be, like that? Or? Uh, it will be available on Sirius XM On Demand for two weeks after its initial airing. Gotcha. Uh, and then at some point, we'll, we'll probably figure out how we're going to repurpose, repurpose it. Because I, I mean, I'm, I'm very stubborn in the sense that I don't do any satellite radio of any kind. But if something's available on iTunes, YouTube, whatever, I eventually find it. But I don't think I've ever listened to a single program on satellite radio ever. Like, I don't even know like, how to, like, to get it or find it. Like, I don't, like, can I get it in my, in my home? Yeah, I mean, if you subscribe to Sirius and... Does it come through your laptop? I, you I know it's not it like a nine-year-old man. Like, through... How does the interweb work? But <laughs> <laughs> no, you could you could get it through through their official website, and a lot of these, um, you know, like Apple TV and you know the Sony Blu-ray players, all the stuff that have apps. There's a Sirius XM app. Okay. There's also, uh, you know, de- you know, like Sirius XM boom boxes that you know you know that, that are receivers for the satellite. People have them in their car. I mean, so it's. You know, you can generally hear it everywhere. But yeah, no, so December 20th, Sirius XM, 50s on 5, in the key of Neil. And uh, so that's going to be one of the things I'm working on. Very cool. Any tales from the trenches of working with Bill Tech? No. (laughs) Is that all behind lock and key for now? For now. For now. We'll do a, you know, inside the director's studio with BT and David Fisher and... Uh, but yeah, no, there's nothing to announce on that front, but Bill and I have been working hard and diligently for the last year. It's been a wonderful year working with Bill and, um, I, I, I really can't wax his car any more than that. Has he invited you to any jujitsu classes? No, no, I'm not. I'm not, I, I haven't gotten into the jujitsu thing yet. (laughs) I can't imagine what that might even be like. Yeah, he's a strong guy. When we post pictures when we were working with uh, Bill Scurry from the little short we did, and somebody said day. Bill Tech looks like a wall. Like he just has like this strong neck and shoulders made out of concrete slabs. Yeah, but those pictures were were real flattering to him in that kind of like I'm, you know, I'm big, I'll fuck you up type <laughs> you know, type type thing. But he's he's really just the, the sweetest dude. And yeah, he is. I wouldn't want to mess with him, but. Well, he guy, doesn't. He's not that. I mean, he is. Well, the but guys he's who not, are toughest aren't don't act like tough guys because they have nothing to prove. Well, right. If you go into any sort of boxing gym, MMA gym, jujitsu like club or whatever, the people they're they're so terrifying and they get all their aggression out on the mat, so they don't need to constantly kind of puff their chest out and prove things. So it's the people who are kind of friendly, like the Brazilians, like oh my friend, uh, we play a little game. Like <laughs> those are the people to be afraid of. The guys who are super sweet. And it's and and there's a. And not that I know a whole lot about it, but just from listening to Bill talk about it, there's a whole philosophy behind it. And you know what? If this is if this practice helps with Bill's 
wonderful sunny demeanor and 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 perspective on life, then you know, God bless because it's an incredible. Well, I think the option to choke out people who annoy you is a wonderful option to have. And if you choose not to exercise that option, that just shows you are a better man than they. Well, I'm glad I haven't annoyed this guy in the last year <laughs> because I'm very like, what are we doing? Like, Let's go. Come yeah, on. Where's the producer? Why is he over in the corner, kind of slumped down over and so on no, and so forth? And it, and, it, and it really has been just, you know, some of the most fun I've ever had with another human being. It's incredible. Very so. cool. So, yeah. So that's Well, let's that. dive right into things. We're going to be doing our top 10 flicks of 2019. I think it was a pretty crazy year. Like, A24 had an amazing year. Netflix had an amazing year. Disney grossed $10 billion for the first time ever. There were, for the first time ever, there were eight movies that crossed billion mark. Six of them were Disney movies. But I think from whether you like the small movies, the foreign films, the big movies, streaming, whatever, there was a lot to get excited about. And I really struggled reducing my list down to 10 and I could have Same. just as easily done another top 10 list that I've been equally satisfied with and still had to make a few sacrifices to reduce it down, which is always a great problem to have because a top 10 list doesn't mean anything if you're not having to make any hard choices. So we're going to just do a round robin and just be just count down from 10 to one. So we're going to start with Mr. Penn, who usually has some of the most outside choices of anyone that I've uh, I've ever met, but you also will occasionally throw in something like uh, like a Marvel movie. So I always look forward to the variety oh, thanks, of man. your choices. But uh, what just start us off with uh, with our, with your number ten? Perfect intro because my number ten is uh, it's a movie that is essentially an inside joke from another inside joke, uh, and that is uh, Mr. America. It's essentially Tim Heidecker doing his version of Tanner eighty eight. Um, now what the Robert I, Altman show on HBO exactly yeah. <clears throat> where he's 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 running for a district attorney against a fake guy who uh, was his enemy from another show slash movie called The Trial, which was an offspring of a show um, between you know Tim Heidecker and on cinema between Tim Heidecker and uh, Greg Turkington, which is kind of an offspring of Tim and Eric Awesome Show. So like I said, there's all these levels, but the most brilliant thing about this mockumentary, just about Tim Heidecker being going as district DA is throughout the movie. You don't have to watch on cinema. You don't have to watch Tim and Eric awesome show. Like they do the most perfect job of getting you up to date within the first couple of minutes of the movie. So it's not one of those like, you know, exclusive, uh, kind of like inside jokes where it's like, what am I watching? I watch this, um, now, of course, like if you're going to be my, my partner for life, you know, my fiance has seen her share of Tim and Eric related stuff <laughs> and she kind of enjoys it for the most part. But she had never seen any any of like the on cinema Greg Turkington stuff. And she loved it just as much as I did. So she's kind of like, you know, a novice to like the Tim Heidecker multi-universe. And she loved Mr. America so much. So, so like I said, I think I think it's kind of the best description. It's Tim Heidecker doing his updated version of Tanner 88. It's that same kind of awkward, cringy borderline surreal humor um just in, think in, in, in 31 years from now he'll show up in documentaries about bob dylan the same way tanner did showed up in the of, scorsese doc of or course quote unquote doc a thousand percent he's told oh of course both of those guys especially tim heidecker he's big on like staying in character and, and all that stuff so i i definitely see him doing something like that so and it's also it was released by magnolia pictures so it's not some like weird website subscription thing like you can stream it Everywhere, Apple TV, YouTube, all all that stuff. Yeah, so, and it had a yeah. theatrical run. It played at Metrograph. It did. It, it played did. at the museum. museum, which is where I saw it at the Museum of the Moving Image. So, so that's my number ten, Mister America. Beautiful. Yeah, Mister Cotto. 
Well, I'll go right for it. My number 10 is Uncut Gems. Interesting. My, I, I, it's on my top 10 as, as well, but I, I've ranked it much higher. Yeah, yeah. Mine, my, yeah, no, same. Cat's out of the bag, but yeah, mine's higher also. How you doing, Holly? How's it going? Hey, Howard. Put Pesach out. All right, Larry, you're a Jew again. Welcome back. I made a crazy risk to gamble. And it's about to pay off. So I want the Celtics to cover. I want the Celtics halftime. I want Garnett points and rebounds. What do you know? I don't know. I just know. Well, I'll tell you what I know. That's the dumbest fucking bet I ever heard of. I disagree. I disagree, Gary. What is that? I started this. You're taking my money all over town, placing bets. I'm having very serious second thoughts. Are you serious right now? I know I fucked up. Howard, where's the money right now? Howard, got my money? Howard! Is it too late? I'm done. It means nothing. It meant nothing. Please. Give me another shot. You like to win, right? This is no different than that. Black Joe Power, nigga. This is my fucking way. You think I'm stupid, Howard? You and your whole fucking family. I heard you resurface your fucking swimming pool. I, you know how that makes me feel? Never resurface you anything. More important than my I don't life. know who said that. I told you about how things were going to go. You like the way things are going now? That's my family. Get the kids out of the house. You having a good time? Yes. This is me. This is how I win. KJ, it's game night. You should be stretching out. What is he, a coach? Nah, he's just a fucking crazy ass Jew. Then we could wait and talk about it. No, 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 no. You know, lay it on us. Well, I have to say, I, I saw it twice. I saw it, well, for most people, it just came out a couple of days ago. So for people out there who don't know what it is, give, give, the, uh, give the pitch. Uh, you know, it's the story of a couple of days in the life of, what's his name? Harold Ratner? Mr. Ratner, played by Adam Sandler in one of his best performances. I'm not going to go on record and say it's his best performance, but it's definitely one of his well, best performances. Top three? Top two? Well, right, top but three. I mean, when you, when you look at, you're only comparing it to, to what, what else you comparing it to? Meyer well, Witt and Punch Drug Love, like no, but Billy I think Madison. Man. Yeah, that, I was, and I'm not well, saying no, sure, that ironically because Adam, what made Adam Sandler is a certain type of role. So when you take talk about his best performances, you got to throw in the Happy Gilmore, even Big Daddy, uh, Billy Madison, stuff like that. So Jack it's like we, Pat. yeah, we, yeah, we can't all <laughs> or funny you know, people. Oh shit, funny people. Yeah, you know, which yeah. I mean is a half hour oh, too yeah, long, damn. but yeah. I mean he's great yeah. in funny people. Yeah, so. Um, yeah, no. Well, you know what? I'll just say it's it's funny. Paul Schrader had a really great review about Uncut Gems, where he basically compared the lead character to the the character that James Toback always tried to have in his film, but could never. Oh right. But could never really like. He never really pulled it off, and in this movie, um, 
this is one we need to be on YouTube to see <laughs> Rob searching for his next phrase. Yeah, I don't know. Like for me, it's the ultimate character study of self-destructive behavior where somebody's appetite for risk vastly exceeds any sort of rational thought where he's constantly over-promising, under-delivering, and it's like giving him an opportunity to make a decision, he will always choose the more reckless yeah. Path with like the most, like the biggest minefield is like that's the that's the way I'm going. And it's so funny you say that because when I first saw this movie, I was close to not liking it until you know um, <clears throat> I saw it with my buddy, previous you know guest of the show, John Cribs, where he was just kind of like, oh, I mean, it's a movie about a guy that makes bad decisions. And I was like, right when he said it, just clicked. I was like, okay, that is what the movie's yeah. about. Compulsively. So. And what I was getting so upset about is what I'm supposed to be getting upset. I was like, oh, that's a stupid. Why the fuck would you do that? I was like, oh, well, that's the point. So never mind. Oh, so I, I love this movie actually. And yeah. it's, so. it's like two hours of white knuckle tension. Yeah, it is. And it's hard to take an audience to that point where you don't give them a break or you don't ever let them relax. But just even just little things like when um, when Garnett's trying to bring the stone back. And the door one open, and I was like, I'm yeah. having a fucking panic attack. Uh, no, I was the same way. Like, open the door. I was just like, and just throughout the whole movie, I was just constantly <sighs> just forcing myself to exhale just so I could fucking relax. And, and people like Sandler's character. <clears throat> towards not even by the midway into the movie, I started to side with like some of the bookies when it's just like <laughs> stop, like because I don't like when people try to out charm and get away. It's like pay me what you owe me. Like if, like there's you know there's a part where. This isn't even a spoiler, but there's a part in the movie you're not going to see it coming where he gets punched in the throat. And I was just like, good, you, you really deserve yeah. you, you And you're lucky that, like, at that point in the movie, too, you're lucky that that's all you got. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, it's also very, you know, back to the, the Toback comparison, it's a very reminiscent of The Gambler with James Caan, you know, where he's just continuing to chase, you know, that rush, that high of whatever it is that he's going after. And even... Even even when it works, it's still he needs it's more. Not enough, yeah. It's not. But enough. even when it does work, it turns out it didn't work. Like that. Like that's such a great scene. Oh, and in the car. When, in the car early on, they, I'm like, oh, okay. Well, something's gonna go right in this movie. And then you know, about 15, 20 minutes later, that gets like totally when, just when like Arno taken pulls back. The bet yeah, and from it's him. like, oh damn, I celebrated with this guy and everything. Like the music was triumphant. Great score by the Uncut Gems has a great score. Um, all all their their recent movies do. They're scored by um. Either all of or one of the guys from uh, One O Tricks. Uh, they're like a really dope electronic group. So also, it's just yeah. cool having the Safdie brothers emerge as these New York chroniclers. I feel like every era needs either a show or a couple of different filmmakers who are celebrating the city of New York in a really exciting, provocative, dangerous fashion. And from the depiction of the nightlife to his relationship with Julia Fox, who's so hot that. You basically will be tormented for the rest of your life unless you just go ahead and just like rip your dick off and like set it on fire, like just so you can stop thinking about her. <laughs> but she's been haunting my imagination ever since I saw this fucking movie. And yeah, I just love these movies that really lure you into this dangerous, exotic world, and you're kind of you're you're entranced and intoxicated, but at the same time horrified by what you get exposed to. And I think the Safety brothers they just keep rising in my estimation. And you forget she gives a really great performance too because of because of the, the reason you know well, that you said. The last third of the movie, I was yes. like, ooh, yeah. she's gonna fuck this up. She's getting, and I was like, oh wait, I, she's actually like the perfect partner in crime. Yeah, like, no wonder is. they get along so well. Yeah. She's just like he is. Yeah. She's just the the female equivalent. Yep. yep. 
Yeah, yeah I, 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 was yes. enthralled, I was enthralled by it. So I'll go ahead and give the spoil. But for me, it's my number three of the year. I, I, was, cool. I was really into Same. Uncut Gems. Well, mine's coming up there too, actually. Yeah. And I can always tell movies had an impact on me when I can't stop watching scenes or the trailer afterwards because yep. I'm trying to recapture yep. it. Like same thing happened with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood where I kept rewatching certain scenes. Uncut Gems, I've seen the trailer now like 20 times just trying to get some of that feeling I got back while watching the, while watching I the movie. The, I bought the score and I listened to it myself, you know. And that's so funny too. And this is, I'm not going to, you know, no spoilers, but like, the way the movie starts, like literally the opening shot, I thought it was going to be like, is this going to be like a serious man type thing? Like where we're talking about, you know, I'll say no more. And then it didn't. It didn't even like that. That never occurred. That stuff ended up being like the one piece of good news he does get in the movie, which ends up doesn't even matter. But No, right. Yeah. I, I prefer good time. Fair enough. Yeah, I mean, no, yeah. I mean both I, I, are I mean, great. Both are no, great. No, both are great, and I'm not trying to take one away from the other. But and it, and it's and it's something that this is the movie that they've been wanting to make for the last ten or twelve years. Like when they started to make, when they were starting to become, you know, filmmakers, they made this one film called Daddy Long Legs with um, real real writes, low budget Ronald yeah, Bronstein. The, the movie, yeah. Who co-writes with them? Edits with one of the Safties. He's also a projectionist at the film at Lincoln. Film at Lincoln oh, Center. Oh, he is. He is. Yeah. He is. He is. So he is. you know, which which that in and of itself is a great thing to and to see, you know, some of these people that are in the New York film culture actually making films and making great films, not just making these films that sure. no one sees. Uh, but this is a film that they've wanted to make for a long time. They had different people in mind. I mean, they wanted Jonah Hill to play Ratner before Sandler came on. Um, Sandler was the right choice. Sandler's the yeah. perfect. I think choice. that that would have worked, but I think that would have totally been more about. The, but I think Adam Sandler is that key. Although, again, shout out to John Cribbs. John was like, had this movie been made in like '96 or '97, it would have been John Turturro. And I'm like, yeah, actually, I do, I do. But I'm glad this movie got, and I'm glad it was. At, I'm, I'm glad it was at Adam Sandler because. Even though he's not trying to be funny, like when he's in the back of the car screaming about whether or not his pool got resurfaced, he's his umbrage and his outrage. It feels like the Sandler of old. And so oh, anytime la- he gets mad, when he cries, when yeah. she gets the tattoo, like he does, he pulls yeah. from his Howie like original Adam Sandler, sculpt, perfectly sculpted butt cheek. Yeah, yeah. but even yeah. even still, like like I was trying to say before about how this is the movie that they wanted to make, they made Good Time on a whim, already having this. In their in their back pocket, that script was written. They wanted to make that, and Good Time was basically, if you look at it now in conjunction, you know, comparison to the other film, it was practice. It was practice for this moment. Sure. For me, Good Time was one of those experiences two years ago that I went in completely not expecting a thing. And got floored. And got floored, and I've been floored. I've been floored repeatedly since. It's one. It's one of the best movies of. Of the last ten years, they've, they've kind of changed me around. I was not a fan until Good Time. There was like, and then like right when Good Time came, it's like, oh, I really like this movie. I don't know about them, and now this movie. It's, now it's like I can't wait to see what they what they do next. Yeah, no, I'm in, and I'm and I'm also partial to Good Time because I think when it comes to New York movies, it's always like Manhattan first, Brooklyn second, and then like the other boroughs, whatever. So like a a movie that's like. All set in various Queens neighborhoods. Queens, I, I do kind of love yeah, that. No, what's no, no. what's yeah. the best Staten Island movie? What is the best Staten Island movie? Ah, the fan. My my, the fan okay. is super Staten Island. Yeah. yeah, the fan is very Staten Island. So maybe that. Yeah, but, uh, the Godfather. Oh damn! Why do I? I never really associated that with a. I mean, I mean that that, that house is out. That yeah. house is so out. So never mind. Island. Godfather. Yeah. Godfather. Fair That's enough. <laughs> Fair play. Well, my number 10 is 1917 by Sam Mendes. I got low. That's low. I got I got lucky to get into it and 
I, it's one of my favorite war movies I've ever seen. But it's just a it's a white knuckle experience where they create the illusion of no cuts. Obviously, they're cuts, but they you really it's like it's a day in the life of two guys trying to deliver a message. And so whether you're crossing no man's land or trying to save somebody burning up inside of a plane or you're dealing with being bayoneted in the stomach, whatever the case may be, you just live it. I mean, I don't think Sam Mendes has ever made a better movie. And well, I would it's my only criticism is that it's a little bit of a repetitive structure where you have a problem, they solve it, you move on, another problem, they solve it. And so you have these little vignettes every step of the way. Not every one of these vignettes is equally interesting. And there's one like two thirds of the way through, you're like, ooh, you kind of just tap the brakes on the whole movie. And if you just took that out, it'd just be like this constant like rush toward this exhilarating conclusion. And so I wouldn't say it's a perfect home run, but goddamn, it's an extraordinary feat of visual storytelling, and I'm glad I got a chance to see it in the theater. I saw it at the Regal at 42, like their, their nice screen. They have one, I hate oh. the Regal at 42nd Street because they have a fucking 40X screen there. It's like any theater with a 40X, I just try to never give them any of my money. Hmm. But this was a, an, an advanced screening. I had no choice in the venue. And they do have one really nice screen in there for these kinds of events. So, yeah, nice. it was killer. I'd watched the trailer a couple of times, and I made a, a comparison between that and there's this moment in the... 1985 movie uh, Come and See where it's like the bombs are falling like as they're running away and like the single take shot and it looked it looked really cool so I'm, I'm gonna get around to seeing it um, I, I didn't get a, it's it's one of like those five or six movies I didn't get to see this year so yeah I mean I should admit there are a shitload of movies I'm kind of glad I didn't see all the things that I wanted to see because it would make this even more difficult but True. I haven't seen In Fabric I haven't seen Pain and mm. Glory I haven't mm. seen Rainy Day in New York so there's some there's some flicks that I think could have easily made, uh, Martin Kessel one of his favorites The Painted Bird so there's some flicks that could have easily made the top ten so a Rainy Day in New York would not have made a top 10 <laughs> i was gonna say I, i've been trying not to rain on people's parade but like in fabric is the kind of movie where it's like more and more i like to like the whole let people enjoy things like ah, i'm not gonna say anything but it's kind of like Peter the more i see it's like, who, burgundy who and, i yeah. love yeah but that movie just for me just like people really i remember it came out uh, i didn't see it initially but then i, I saw it it's at the I metrograph still, right now yeah <clears throat> yeah I, I was able to see it before it got released and i was just like oh i don't really like this movie and it bummed me out because i i think Marianne Jean-Baptiste is one of those underrated uh, actors who kind of like, I thought after, you know, Secrets and Lies, she'd, she'd kind of, and it's not, not really, but, um, well, it's, but, it's a know. Bill Scurry favorite, so shout out to yeah. Bill Scurry. Shout out to Bill Scurry. He, he, he loves it in fabric. So Bill, you, yeah. made, you made it onto the episode, even nice. though you live in Amsterdam and eat fucking space cake for breakfast every morning now. So. <laughs> <laughs> See you in February. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah, he's actually coming to New York very soon, so I'm going to record with him oh, on, the, on the 30th. We're going to talk about erotic 90s films. So that, that, oh, <laughs> that, should, that should get fun. God. Two dudes Skinamax. hanging out by themselves talking about erotic yeah. cinema. Emmanuel. Nice. Yeah, oh, that's some early 70s. I, I, I love that. No, 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 no. The one with Krista Allen, George Clooney's ex-girlfriend. Oh, gotcha. I was thinking of Emmanuel from like, with no, 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 Sylvia Cristel. No, 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 no. Emmanuel, the new generation. Oh, whatever. Yeah. I guess I tapped out at number five with Monique Gabrielle. So. Hmm. Or like the Red Shoe Diaries episodes that are written by Alexander Payne. Nice. <laughs> I was just going to say Red Shoe Diaries. Yeah. All right. Well, number nine, Mr. Penn, where are you taking us? Uh, Parasite. Cool. All right. Yeah. So that, that's my number seven. So nice. yeah. lay, lay it on us. Yeah. I remember I, I went through a lot of different emotions with this movie because I saw it. Again, this is one of the things like I saw before most people and I thought it was fine. Like, oh, this is good. And then when it came out, it was just it just blew up. And I was like. Did I like it that much? And then I watched it again, and I was like, this movie is okay. And then I watched it again and had these like talks uh, with my friend uh, Mtume, uh, filmmaker Mtume Gant, about it. Who liked it. <clears throat> who, who liked it. And it made me li like it more. So, you know, um, I, I, I do have to say not to like share the spotlight with Parasite, but last year 
Uh, Bruno Dumont made this movie called Slack Bay or Malut in uh, French. And it's the same like story, kind of the same plot. It's a little more funny, but darker though. But it's it's definitely, um, it would make a great du- du- double feature or triple feature with uh, Chabot's uh, La Ceremonie. But um, yeah, I, I, I liked Parasite. It definitely brings up a lot of controversial subjects when it comes to just like I'm using air quotes like the rich versus the poor and and who's right who's wrong and 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 things like that so um I'm only concerned to hear what rational people have to say about this movie because like there's there's definitely some extremes that kind of I think there are a lot of people out there who get so embroiled in class warfare where they kind of insert their own narrative and also it's like films are subjective so insert Mm -hmm. whatever narrative you want when I saw it I was thinking more like rules of the game and like the rules of the game attacks every stratus yeah. and it's like from the poachers up to the yes. aristocracy yeah. yeah and i was like well are people like deliberately and willfully overlooking some of the veiled humorous criticisms of the lower class as well yes and i think they i, I can answer that yeah yeah I think but i thought parasite was hysterical my only gr- gr- grievance against parasite is i thought like the last 20 minutes it just kind of like disintegrated into entropy whereas i'd been screaming with laughter right. for like the first two-thirds of it and then it, sure. i feel like it just didn't quite stick the landing sure yeah, I think that's why it almost didn't even make my top ten. I mean, like, you know, it's kind of low there, but I, I think it. I think it's deserving, and I say this without all of the uh, the pressure of how many people love it, and it's it's like it, it's a low key crossover movie. But with that, independent of that, I I, I did genuinely. But it's like the it. breakout foreign film success story yes, of, 2019. of 2019. Absolutely, no close second place. At least in terms of box office, yep. it's it's been like hovering just below the top ten for like for fucking months, and it's oh, hard to great. stay there. Like right at like eleven or twelve for like three or four straight months, but it just it just doesn't leave the theater. And it's also the movie. It's also like it goes with like his other stuff, like Mother, Snowpiercer. It's all. I mean, he has a common theme in all of his movies, like like yours, like class warfare, rich versus the poor. And I think this might be this might be the best executed version of that. I mean, Snowpiercer is cool to watch, but I think a lot of the message in that movie gets lost in how cool it it, it looks, you know, and everything. And Mother is good. I just think it took too long. For me personally, like like the phenomenal stuff in Mother, it just took too long to, to, to get to it. I just felt like I sat through a miniseries to get to the part that did genuinely make me go, oh, shit. But it was just like, it felt like six hours of just trudging through, like, when are we going to get to something? So gotcha. I think this is like, this might be his, I think this is his best movie, honestly. I haven't, was I it Memories of Murder that everybody yeah. goes Oh, wait, never about? mind. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah, I haven't seen that one, but everybody says it's the So show. Parasite's number two. I, I, I forgot about, uh, yeah, I forgot about that. Any That's strong feelings for Chicago on Parasite? Oh, it's my number five. Gotcha. Um, oh, okay. I saw it twice. First one was on an Oscar screener. The second one, I actually saw it Friday night at the IFC Center. And you know what? It, it, it just pays off. It just pays off. And I also, it, it, it's great to see a movie like this. Um, the girl know, in it really stole the movie for me. She was so damn funny. The I was sister? Like, yeah. yeah. She, I was. Oh, no, she, she's incredible. Every line of dialogue had me smiling from ear to ear. No, no, yeah. she's incredible. Um, like her, I don't give a shit personality. She's like a cigarette dangle from her mouth, and he's like, oh, like with all these skills you have, you could be a great like graphic designer. She's like, shut up. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Like, all right, you just, you just don't give a shit. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and not that there hasn't been great moments in Asian cinema before, but I think the last couple of years we've really. There's been a lot of really great films that come coming from that part of the world. And oh, yeah. You talk about having this, you know, a Bruno Dumont triple feature with this. You could absolutely pair this with Shoplifters or with Burning or or with, yeah, um, definitely you, burning. Know, a, yeah. a, you know, a bunch of other 
great things that are coming out from that part of the world. Yeah. Um, you know, I... I I, I found that I was very moved by the end more last Friday when I saw it than I than I was before. Interesting. I was okay. very touched by it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's definitely one of one of one of the best films of the year. Absolutely, hundred percent agree. Yeah, my the, my list I've changed it like fifteen times today, and Parasite was bouncing around all over the place. And finally, I was just like, "Fuck it, you're going in at number seven. I don't know if it's the right answer or the wrong answer, but that's that's where you're going." So, nice. at any rate, Mr. Cotter, what's your number nine? My number nine is Kent Jones's Diane. Oh, very nice. Which oh, wow. another shout out to Bill Scurry. He was championing. Uh, you know this a few months ago when and we he's all retiring went out to from dinner. the Film Society of Lincoln Center, isn't he? Yeah, no. Yeah, so he's stepping down from the New York year. Film Festival. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a story about a woman who um, who's very selfless in her life. She tries to do everything that she can for the people around her that are either not doing well or that are ailing or that are suffering with addiction, while sacrificing her own well-being. But it's in a, it's it, she's doing it in a way to you know, seek redemption for, you know, a mistake that she made in her, in her past. Um, it features an incredibly, an incredible performance by Mary Kay Place, who, you know, is an actress who's been around forever and a day, who's finally getting the opportunity at however old she is to really, you know, show her chops. Um, it's supposed to take up it's supposed to take place in upstate New York, but I believe it was shot in Massachusetts. So it kind of has that snowy Manchester by the sea kind of feel, but it also, it's just a very, you know, simple 95 minute, you know, exploration of this woman's life. And there were some really incredible moments in it. In particularly, there's a moment in the, in a bar that she puts, uh, Leon Russell's out of, out in the woods on the jukebox and she just dances along to it while she's getting lit by herself. Hmm. And I need to start seeing some of his movies. The only one I've seen is Hitchcock Truffaut, which I loved. I thought well, it was and a this is his nar- documentary. And, and, and this is his narrative debut. Gotcha. Um, so it, when I was at the New York Film Festival in October, opening night was The Irishman and then the next day, Scorsese, who executive produced this and Duck Hud Gems, um did a you know a q a well not a q a but a discussion with kent jones and the last thing that marty said was you know you know he thanked him for everything that he did for the new york film festival and the last line of the program was now go make some movies nice and kent jones made a really really great movie yeah if you're a good filmmaker it's almost perhaps i mean only so many hours in the day so many only so many years in your life What's the best use of your time and energy? And if you have talent as a director, maybe the best use of your talent is forgetting about all of, all other concerns and just focusing on that. Because there are plenty of people with great administrative skills who can run a film vessel, but there are not a lot of people out there with talent to make movies. Yeah. You know, I also like to say, too, I love his transition, and he's taken his time, his transition into filmmaking from film criticism and film curating. Because not, not that it's necessary, but he's that kind of nice example where folks in this room and other people when like you criticize something and people it's just like well let's see you do it and it's kind of like he did you know what I'm saying and there's plenty of other examples but I also you know it's just kind of he to be in the position he's been in for years he's always been a champion specifically of like those group of friends those French group group of friends the Claire Denis Leo Carrache Olivia Sayas so it's like I've always kind of had a special yeah Yeah. I've always had a special (laughs) place in my heart for in my heart for him and I like that he's become a successful filmmaker it's like he started you know he wrote 
uh, that that interesting that that Native American film Jimmy P with um, Benicio and um, Lily Gladstone her her debut and then you know Hitchcock Truffaut and now this so it's kind of like uh, yeah good good for him good for him hell yeah all right well my number nine is sing a song the one for me I wish I were yonder. We don't want no trouble. That's just the way, isn't it? You don't want trouble, but sometimes trouble wants you. It's there I'd sit and cry my fill. Get me to the soldiers that came by this morning. It's too dangerous. Up north, they kill us. You sure you want to follow him? Every tear would turn a man. They close. What are you doing? Ah! I don't want no trouble. I'll sell my rock, I'll sell my wheel. Sell my only spinning wheel. You know what it's like to have a white fella take everything you have, don't you? I, my love, a sword of steel. What's your name again? Claire. I'm not your boy. I'm Mangana, the blackbird. I wish, I wish, I wish in vain. You white ones go fast, fast, fast. Get nowhere. I go slow. I wish I had my love. The little bird thought she was going to die out there in the forest. <laughs> Suddenly, she was free. So you're going to your number yeah, nine. Your number going nine. to my number oh, nine. Number nine. It is gone. All right. So I got a uh, Jennifer Kent's The Nightingale. It's one of those things where I always get will like what year does a movie qualify for? Because if you look on IMDb, Ooh. it says 2018, but its U.S. release date was 2019. So it's like fuck it, it's eligible, and I'm picking it. But but I hadn't even heard of it. I was like, oh, Jennifer Kent, like the Babadook. I should check this out. And I started watching it. And like 10 minutes in, I was like, Jesus. So almost like she spent like a year watching nothing but Sam Peckinpah movies. And I was like, all right, well, hold my beer. Like, let, let me show you like <laughs> something really shocking. And she just <laughs> went for it. And I just sat in front of the TV with my jaw dropping lower and lower and lower throughout the entire movie. And just for the sheer bravado of the provocation of that film and the shock value, that alone I was transfixed, but I think has beautiful dream sequences and just it's just a really fascinating story of female revenge and getting pissed off and i feel like there's a you could do like a 10 podcasts just about female revenge movies from kill bill to i spit under grave or whatever but if you are if you're a, a lady out there and you want to see a girl wreaking havoc and shooting guys and stabbing guys and fucking guys up who've done something horrible to her the Nightingales is your movie. <laughs> it is. It is the movie. Noted for. Uh, okay. for yeah, noted. For, you haven't seen it? No, I have not actually. Look yeah. at that. It was one of the. I know. We yeah. haven't seen it. You've seen it. Yeah. Oh wow! Check that yeah. out. Never in a million years. I, I knew all I, about. I just. I never got around to. 
Yeah, well, it, well just people, if you haven't heard of it or seen it, just watch the trailer. But she teams up with an Aborigine to hunt down these soldiers who. I don't want to tell you all the atrocities they commit against her in the first like 10, 15 minutes, but there are a bunch of them, and it's 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 awful. I mean, I, I think the reason it's not getting a lot of awards love is because some people find it to be so shocking that they're almost like upset with Jennifer Kent, like, how dare you subject to us to, to so many horrors in a row? Like, you're not allowed to do that. And she's like, well, fuck you. I'll do whatever I want. And so, Good. yeah, yeah Good. for sheer piss and vinegar... And, and style points, yeah, Jennifer Kent, she, she's the shit, and I think The Nightingale is a fantastic flick. All right. Well, I, okay. Good. I'm in. Yeah, I'm definitely in. All right. Good. Number eight. Yeah, I guess I should have also mentioned, period movie, Penal Colony, Australia. So okay. um, I just I started speaking just assuming y'all already knew kind of the, the premise. but um, I, I do. No, I know all, this yeah. is, like I said, I know all about it. I just didn't get around to seeing it. It's part of that five or six movie group that I just I, I missed. Fair enough. Well, that, that's why we're teaming up, the, the yeah. three of us, because we uh, we, we complement exactly. each other nicely. Exactly. exactly. Right, well, number eight. Let's... Number eight. It's a nice little, uh, since this is a nice little reunion, my number eight is The Irishman. Um, I won't speak at length because we, we talked about it a lot um, on an episode dedicated towards it. But, you know, you know, we'll we can say a, a couple of things. You know, I, I watched it again once it came to Netflix, and it's like I love Joe Pesci's performance even more than I already did, and I loved it from the start and also once the, once more people saw it I became more angry and cynical about like I wish some people, people don't deserve to pe- have an opinion which people is fucked over, up to say overpraising it was the same thing happened with marriage no, no no it's not even about overpraised no 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 I, I don't mind a movie like the Irishman getting I love that it's just like actually even some people who overpraised it in a weird way to the point where they were like making fun of it it, it like that movie was a prime example of just like this whole ironic culture of just like people saw the Irishman and instead of immediately telling their feelings or writing a review about it they just like with a marriage story they run to make a meme about it and that's fine I don't want to be the guy who's like come on guys be serious about everything but it's like at a certain point scrolling Twitter scrolling Facebook it's like do you like the movie or not it's like okay Al Pacino and you put him in a meme with Baby Yoda but it's like do you like the movie and no that happened a lot and it's like this movie is so much more than a quick little joke that you want to be stand-up well, Twitter comedians. Have, I love it, and know? it's my number two. Yeah. So, oh, awesome, yeah. awesome. Um, oh, I lost my train of thought. I forgot what I was going to say. You're making, you don't um, like how people uh, refuse to say what they like it or dislike because they're too busy making memes with Baby Yoda, etc. Oh, and, and I want you know, I wanted to say too. I don't the whole like oh, people are saying it's long. I mean, fine. I mean, it's on Netflix for a reason. Start it, stop it, come back to it. Maybe do it in a timely fashion. But this, but but the people who are aggressively against this movie's running length especially under the umbrella of netflix i guarantee on a on a saturday you sat in one spot and watched you know iron fist or true detective season one or or true you know so it's just like and that's at least eight hours or more so it's just like relax and no one no one ever said you can't go take a bathroom break like there was this extreme reaction where it's just like I went to the bathroom twice when I saw the Irishman. You know what I'm saying? Like, go to the. No one's saying sit in front, take notes, or whatever. But it's like it's not that difficult. And I don't think that movie is that slow. I really don't. I, I don't know because that's the common criticism. The, I was the on the front row at the press screening, and I was transfixed, and that's I, what I'm I, saying. I, I had no problem yeah. getting into it. I guess yeah. the hot takes on the movie that I don't like are some people who somehow seem to resent the idea that Scorsese and a bunch of his friends who are all in their 70s got together and made a movie like, how dare you make a movie with a bunch of like old men it's like who cares like what like, I, like are yeah. you only gonna judge people through the lens of gender race sexuality is like there's a, a whole crop or a whole generation of people that can only judge a movie 
through the lens of identity politics and like, what about story? What about craft? What about photography? What about music? What about editing choices? I agree. Like there's agree. a million artistic components that go into like art for art's sake. Like, do you have anything to say besides that's not like political clickbait? And I think the reality is they're not really interested in movies, but they are interested in stirring the pot and getting traffic. So go and real quick, going back to uncut gems for a second, I'm not even going to get into the specifics, but like I was just texting my podcast partner, Scott, Scott Thoreau today. And he's, he was screenshotting me <laughs> a couple of bad takes of uncut gems. And I responded to him, oh, and, you know, previous guests, we were on a group chat, me and John Lobinger and Scott, and I responded by, it's like, you know what, next year, how about everybody just make their own movie? And that way, like, every point you want to, like, you make your own movie, cast women, cast only black people, cast whoever, and then that way you have your, whenever, every single movie out there, like, you know, Martin Scorsese, when he doesn't do exactly what you want him to do, Go back to your movie and you watch your own movie and then all your all your check marks oh, will, will be done. What brought it's up like, those crazy tweets I saw you sharing the other day about how something about black men being the white men of black people or something like that? Oh, that was oh <laughs> that was my oh that that is perfect to, to, to this year. That I, I wrote a I wrote a nice review that actually a lot of people seemed to, to, yeah, to it's react. One of your best I, pieces. I, I wrote actually. I wrote about Harriet. I, I I saw the movie Harriet. I wish I didn't. But um, there's just a there's a fictitious character in that movie that had nothing to do with Harriet Tubman's life, and it just plays into the stereotype where there there's a lot of like straight black men are getting trashed a lot these days. I'm not gonna go any further. I don't make this y'all become thing. a part of the patriarchy. I love it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> and and apparently, but to some people, we're the white men of black people, whatever that means. <laughs> and a lot of people are saying it. Although it stemmed, the, 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 there was a famous article written last year that a lot of people took to, and it's just like, and I think Harriet, that movie, which is terrible, it's an embarrassing movie, and I'm surprised it got nominated for all this, these Golden Globes, but it kind of embodies that nonsense. So, yeah. But um, The Irishman is great. It's um, the first, I mean, I like at, at Rob's you know suggestion, I, I'm, and we podcast about it. I went back and watched Silence and I was like, okay, I, I get this. But this is the first movie in a long time that I, a Scorsese movie that I saw and was immediately like, holy shit, this is why he's, he is, you know, who, who he is. So. One of the, one of the icons. Yeah. Yeah. Where is he on your number 10? Where, out of We're going to talk about it. Uh, it. You know, the thing about the Irishman for me is, um, listen, the, the return of Joe Pesci. Yeah is really what needs to be talked about here. Hello? Hi, my friend. I got that kid I was talking to you about here. I'm gonna put him on the phone and let you talk to him, okay? Hello? Is that Frank? Yes. Hiya, Frank, this is Jimmy Hoffa. <laughs> Glad to meet you. Glad to meet you, too, even if it's over the phone. Our friend speaks very highly of you. Thank you. Only three people in the world have one of these. And only one of them is Irish. I heard you paint houses. No, please. No, no, please. Yes, I do, sir. Where are you going? Going to work. Well, you know, there's a situation going on now, Frank. Big business and the government, they're trying to pull us down. You might be demonstrating a failure to show appreciation. I know things they don't know I know. You can't miss the big picture. 
Sooner or later. Get the gun out of his head! Everybody put here as a date when he's gonna go. Do you want to be a part of this fight? Would you like to be a part of this history? Yes, I would. Whatever you need me to do, I'm available. He likes to talk, don't he? It's better than anything that happens in that movie, even including the fact that Al Pacino is working with Marty for the first time. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, what, what's the line about failure to show appreciation? That's like my favorite line of the yeah, whole movie. Yeah, no, I th- you're, I, there's people who think you're, sh- you're, you're failing to show appreciation or something along those lines. So, yeah, the way no, no, he no, says it, it's improvised. It's so casual. And I was like, that's astonishing. And it's yeah. so goddamn funny. And it says everything that he needs to say in that moment. Um, there's a, so when it so obviously I saw it at the opening night of New York Film Festival and actually the last night of the New York Film Festival I took my wife we went and she got to see and she walked out she looked at me and she's like well Joe Pesci's incredible but I just don't understand why you get moved by these kind of movies about these guys who don't have any redeeming qualities or whatever and it, it really came down to you know just explaining to her just how it's more than that. It's it's wild that first of all, Scorsese tells a story. Who cares if characters have redeeming qualities? No, like James I know. Cagney and Edward G. Robinson and James, Humphrey Bogart played a million characters with no, no, no redeeming sure. qualities. But but, but to they come me, from that tradition. But to me, it's these guys at this age telling a story at the peak of their powers, and in a way where they were most of them, De Niro, Pacino. Um, well, Pesci doesn't really count because he really hasn't been in the scene for the last twenty years. But where people have essentially dismissed. No, I'm at twenty, but well, there was like so no, no, it's, 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 it's we le- try to forget no, about listen, Love Ranch. It's Lethal Weapon Four, yeah. his cameo in The Good Shepherd, yeah. Love Ranch, and this. Yeah. So yeah. It, true, it really true, true, is true. twenty okay. years. No, 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 you're, you're right, you're right. You know, and um, you know, it's these guys at the peak of their powers who have essentially have been dismissed or written off as has beens or. Or whatever. I mean, look, you could well, say Wolf of Wall Street was a massive hit. Well, listen, I mean, Scorsese. Sure, but but Scorsese but, but hasn't been written Street, off. It was a huge no, 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 runaway no, no, no. success. But, but I think I think that a lot. You, you I have never wrote to, off Scorsese. No, I've never written him off either. But you 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 have to credit the success of Wolf of Wall Street not to the filmmaking of Martin Scorsese, but the star power of Leonardo DiCaprio. And you have to credit the rest of those movies that they made not to Scorsese's direction, but to the star power. And that is uh, what Departed from me is a Scorsese film with a bunch of cool people in it, but it's a Scorsese movie. It is not a Scorsese movie, me. Whoa. Whoa. How dare you? The fucking rat even, at the end. Do you even like no, no, Scorsese? No, no, no. no, the rat at the end makes <laughs> it not a Scorsese movie. Because to me, that's just like Keenan Ivory Wayans and Don't Be a Menace to South Central while drinking your juice in the hood. Message! Oh, right. Yeah, that's, yeah, what, yeah. that's what that is. <laughs> to me, The Departed is Message. Scorsese light. And Hated it's the one it. that he... And, it's, and, and Marty will even tell you, it's the one movie of his... That has a plot. That's funny. But I saw it like three times in the theater. I fucking love it. Listen, yeah. I saw it twice too, and yeah. Jack's great in it, even Fuck though, yeah. you know, but Marty had a lot of problems on that movie. All right, well, I don't want to get too but, derailed. But, yeah. but, but no, 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 but, no, 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 but the bottom line we'll is... We'll do our Scorsese part two down the road. No, 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 and, but there's, but 
back to back to the Irishman really quick. There's just a couple of things that I really admire in the movie that we really didn't touch on in the podcast. And one thing that comes to mind is the Phil Anas- the the Anastasia hit, where it's the tracking shot that ends on um, the 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 flower shop. I mean, to me, that's Marty at his at his best visual. You know, and the, the editing is incredible. Everything about the movie is just is just great. I will say that Stephen Graham is Tony Pro. I mean, it's 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 one of my favorite yeah. performances. I'm glad of he's, the year. he's incredible. He's slowly been getting his. I think this movie is the one that might put him over because it's like for a long time. Oh I think yeah, from, oh. from this, I think he's been in you know from a million things. You know, whatever. He's had a good, he's had a good, good twenty years without a doubt. But I yeah. think people really like when this is England came out. That's when people were just like, "Oh, this guy is really intense." And then from that point on, so no, yeah, so I, it's yeah, it's, howling. It's, it's 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 one of the most interesting performances of the year for me. Is, is well, that what I like about the Irishman? Reason it came in as my number two. I'm always bemoaning the fact that Hollywood no longer makes movies that are designed to be. Like a masterpiece and a crowd pleaser all at once, whereas they used to do that a lot. With this, whether right. or not they succeed or not, they at least made the attempt. We're going to try to do right. Bridge on the River Choir. We're going to try to do The Godfather, where it's like a big hit and a great movie. Now it's like, are we going to try to make a great movie? Or are we going to try to make a hit? And it's like, well, you can do both. And the Irishman did. I don't know the exact numbers on Netflix, but apparently Netflix is thrilled with the numbers that it generated on the of platform. Course. They say that it's going to be forty million in a month for wow. when they clock it for a month viewership. It's going to be forty million right now. It's up to like twenty six million. So the subscribers fact that a three and a half it. hour labor union slash criminal gangster epic could be a big giant mainstream online success. In this era, it's just a, a fresh reminder that it is still possible to do a masterpiece and a hit all at once. And it's just for me, it's it's great old fashioned classic storytelling with a bunch of giants who are showing they still got it. And it's just a, a great reminder of the power of filmmaking. And I feel like 2019 was a year where a, a couple of filmmakers reminded us that movies aren't going anywhere. As long as they're right. great filmmakers making great movies, they will maintain their cultural re- relevance. They just on have any a lot platform. more competition on any platform. Absolutely. And so I feel like. It was a huge transition year. Well, Netflix, obviously, last year with Roma, people are like, whoa, y'all are doing these kind of movies now? Yeah, but yeah. Netflix continues to evolve and change and grow in exciting ways for me. Yeah, well, I mean, credit to Netflix for seeking out filmmakers that have a singular vision. It's been yeah. $200 million on it. Yeah. Well, when yeah. you when you factor in marketing and everything, it's going to be closer to $300 million. Yeah. And That's a big balls bet. They're, they... Right, like like a couple days before Thanksgiving, up until I want to say like just this past Monday, the subway station on Fifty Third Street in Lexington, the E and the M stop, as the escalator that goes up to Fifty Third and Lex, the entire length of the escalator was on each side, going up and going down, was a poster for the Irishman. Nice, and it was you. So you 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 ride up this escalator. How, how many dicks have been drawn on them? None. <laughs> Not well because the escalator's moving. Gotcha. So you can't really. You know, it's like the one. Uh, it's like uh, the one billboard in New York City I didn't get fucked with, and they were probably afraid they're going to get whacked. Yeah, exactly. absolutely, exactly. But yeah, no. I mean, listen, we could talk about the movie again all day, but it's. Yeah. So is it your number one? I'm not commenting on what my number one is. Okay. Okay. <laughs> What's your number eight? <laughs> What's so, yeah, my number eight? Yeah. My number eight. My number eight is a hidden life. Oh, nice, interesting. All nice. right. Well, okay. I, I just saw it as Saturday long as it's night. on someone's top ten. Yeah, I just saw it uh, you know, the Angelica. Um, so lay it on us. Yeah, no. I mean, because you're, 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 I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but Marcus likes Terrence Malick. I had no idea. Uh, Let's be specific. <laughs> I love him all unconditionally, but late period Malick 
And t- I was about to start talking like you're the it's your you no 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 you, no, no, you, no, no, no you listen speak, you speak you no speak. listen it, you know for me um, you know Marcus and I went to see Tree of Life and that was one of those experiences that you know it's it, it's truly one of the best films of the last ten years agreed mm-hmm. um, the other ones in between you know to, to 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 borrow a line that Marcus and I love to use from the family guy sometimes oh, i no. felt like they insisted upon themselves <laughs> but it's it not le- my first time here it ever hearing so it's, it's but, but, but 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 you know what at the end of the day it doesn't take away from the fact that here's this filmmaker who has a distinct vision who's almost 80 yeah, well, yep. right well marty's almost 80 yeah. Um, a lot of these guys are almost. But he's one know. of the few remaining great directors from the seventies that's still alive. That's still, that's Marty still and Terry Malick. Yeah, yeah. So um, I have like to. William Friedkin's s- alive, but he's not cranking out movies like A Hidden Life. No, no, right. And you know, so to to see a movie like this, you know, which is about a conscientious objector, um, you know, during World War II, you know, you know, it, it's it's the first Malick film, I want to say since probably Thin Red Line that. Has a plot that has a plot. Well, not even that has a plot, because well, New World's got a. Well, the New World's got a plot too, but it it has sort of like a cohesiveness that a little structure, a little structure, and it flows, and and you feel like you're there's a beginning, a middle, and an end. Yes, and a true beginning, a middle, a and traditional an end. three act structure. Yeah. Without being like this is a three act structure Terry Malick movie because it, it it is. The, in the words of our favorite Twitter handle, that Michael Haneke, that fake Michael no, Haneke guy, right. there's lots of leaves. Well, that's there's, lots of sl- that's a, there's lots of there's lots of malachism. Yeah, lots of wheat. There's a lot of wheat, leaves, wheat, grass, all that stuff. I think it's just like yeah, yeah. No, no, absolutely wheat, wheat. I'll just Fields say of wheat. To jump in, I'll just say this movie's very high on my list later on. Yeah, the, it's very very high, and it deserves to be but, high on his list because it's. Yeah. And I think the sequences on the farm are some of the best footage and best scenes that he's ever cooked up. Like I enjoyed the quote unquote plot, but what I really enjoyed was just the slice of life just seeing yeah. the way this valley and this village operates and the way they work together and just like i was more interested in watching them just doing their, their gardening yeah. than right. it was in the with struggle the with like the nazis and that sort of thing and I, I was just i was in awe of just the way of life sequences and it worked without emmanuel lebeski because that was my biggest worry is that right that's he he and his camera are the create key ingredient to why i love Tree of Life and post Tree of Life Malik is the way it's shot, but this movie totally picked off, picked up where you know song to song left off. Who's his DP? Uh, this time? he oh, he's a he's a European guy. I actually forgot his name, or it's more so I just don't know how to pronounce it. But he had shot some other cool stuff too. So yeah, well, people will know who he is now. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, no, and, and the love story is is it's 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 very touching, and it's a three hour. You know, you go into a three hour Terry Malik movie, and you're like, oh no, this is gonna feel like three hours, but I really? think it's like two forty-five. It really didn't. That was my one, yeah. maybe my one criticism, as you've mentioned in the past. Like Woody Allen says, like I can improve any movie sight unseen, make it shorter. I wouldn't have minded if it had been five or ten minutes shorter, but uh, you know. It, but in, in the end, this is Terrence Malick. He's nearly eighty. Let him make the movie he fucking wants to make, and so he he, he got to tell his story his way. And, and that and that whole thing too. Now that you said that, there's a lot of people who just like you don't know what you're talking about anymore. Where it's just like there was this because he's already in the midst of doing his next movie and then somebody was just like 
oh, I guess you won't see this for another 10 years. And it's like, what are you talking? He's made six movies in nine years. So yeah. what, what are you He's talking about? Like, most, like that, 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 that whole thing is gone. One of the most directors in the business yeah. of the last 10 years. Is, <laughs> yeah, like that that whole 20 year, that, that's over. And it only happened once. Yeah, I hope I have half his energy when I'm, yeah, when I'm his exactly. age. He's, he's cranking shit out left and right. Exactly. Yeah. He's like like the fucking Michael Bay of Art House. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Um, <laughs> and it was nice to see a final performance by... Uh, Bruno Gans. Yep. And uh, Bruno Gans. Oh, gosh. I feel so... Um, Best Hitler ever. Da- Daniel Craig. Da- the the Daniel Craig, the original Daniel Craig in um, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. That was his final movie also. He, he was the priest. Uh, yeah. Gotcha. The villain from the Mission, from the, the Mission Impossible film. Uh, you know, if you, um, the first Jeremy Renner Mission Impossible. Um, but anyway, yeah. The, the main character from the original Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. That was also his, his last film also. So yeah, yeah, no, it it, it 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 is an accomplishment. And back to your comment about silence, I mean, or revisiting silence, that's a good double feature right there. In I life, agree. silence. I, agree. I definitely. Agree. Marty Kessler would love that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, but how crazy that here we are in 2019, where we had a year where we had a great Scorsese flick and a great Tarantino flick and a great Terrence Malick flick. Yep. It's like there are a lot of big filmmakers who've been active for a long ass time who are still doing cool stuff. So we just, I mean, it was like okay, boomer, like blah blah blah. I was like, well, you can say okay, boomer, all you want, but some of these old timers. Are doing good work, so go fuck yourself. And like whenever, but I hate it when people say like, "Okay, boomer," they don't realize that you're actually talking to somebody from like the baby boom generation. I'm like, I'm Gen X. Know the, the distinctions between your various right, demographics. Right, right, Gen right. X is way cooler than the goddamn baby boomers. Yeah, as yep. a as a what is what's the term? What's after zillennial? I think that's the Generation Z. Yeah, Generation yeah. Z. We grew up. I always remember. I always wanted Generation X's music. From like Sonic Youth, Tribe Called Quest, I thought that, that there's always an interesting connection between like Generation Z and, and Gen X, but we, we, we never talk shit about. I just Gen think X. Generation X it's X the millennials some, who talk shit about. Yeah, Gen the Generation X. X has the coolest name of any generation. We, uh, we sound like the fucking X Men. That like, also, <laughs> one of the best eras of MTV. You guys had also. Yeah. So, so yeah, sometimes it's it's fun to be old. Yeah. All right. So is it, wait, 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 wait. Are you saying we're we're not? You're not saying we're millennials? No, zillennials. It's Generation Z. It, it, it's that oh. weird little narrow oh, okay. between Millennial and Generation X. Yeah, no, it's no, because some. I thought they were some, just Generation Y. Because I, oh, I think that's what it is. Yeah, yeah I'm gen- sorry. Yeah, yeah, no, it's not. Oh, I'm way up. Millennial is the younger. It's Generation yeah, Y. Because Generation X is like basically sixty to eighty. Because I had exactly. MTV. And I, I was born in late 1981, so certain staunch people would be like. No, you're technically you're millennial. And, no, and, technically you're Generation X. Like, no, I'm. And I'm temperament. Neither. I relate to neither. X. Yeah, I'll, I'll be Generation X over millennial, but yeah. So Your it, number eight. My number eight. I, I might get a little pushback on this, but I love. I think I love more what it represents than the actual movie itself. But I'm going with Joker. I knew you were going to do. Oh, that. Wow. And uh, I know you really liked. That. I, I, I enjoyed it. it. I, I enjoyed it. Anytime an R-rated movie about comic books makes a billion dollars and it doesn't open in China, it dispels so much prevailing wisdom about what you have to do with. Like same thing with like the Watchmen. If like Watchmen broke a lot of rules and got away with it and was a really, really cool show. In this year, we've seen Avengers Endgame do the big budget giant, you know, superhero war thing. And we've also seen a much smaller budgeted movie be more profitable than Avengers Endgame. And that for me is a big eye opener because people so rarely pause to question their assumptions about business models. And I love it when something comes along to explode those business models. And I feel like Joker, the fact that you had also the entire critical community ganging up on it saying, I really think this is a movie that's going to get people killed. I was like, what are you, 
before it came about, out. Yeah. Before it came it's like, out. It, you know, it's like a celebration of like, you know, um, angry young white men and all the, all the dumbest shit you've ever fucking heard of. And the fact that around the world, people just embraced it and enjoyed it and had fun with it. And even Michael Mann <laughs> paused to give it some praise. I was like, well, Did shit. He? Yeah, Michael oh, Mann. Wow. Michael so did Michael was, Moore also. Michael yeah. Moore, yeah. You know, that, you know it's funny. I, that, that thing you said, I'm not going to, we don't need to drill too long on it. But I wonder, like just movies, I hate to sound like the old guy, but like movies from the 70s, like, Okay, what would, what, like what would these kids do with like a Travis Bickle or Alex DeLarge? It's like or there's this straw dogs. There's exactly there's this weird thing where it's just like the good guy has to be the like the the main character of the movie has to be the good guy. Has to have Otherwise, qualities. it's problematic. Yeah. And yeah. it's like no, no. Well, there's a new attitude also where if a storyteller writes something or films something where somebody's doing something bad, it's the same as like the filmmaker having committed that act. Yeah. It's like yeah, yeah, yeah. no, that's so dangerous. The filmmaker that's didn't really, kill a baby. That's a slippery slope. It's, it's part of the story and. Yeah. In art, people are allowed to explore things. You yeah. can explore cannibalism. You can explore all kinds of things. Yeah. And guess what? You're not guilty of cannibalism if you make a movie about cannibalism. No, it's, it's once again going back to this whole idea of just people who don't fundamentally understand the purpose of art. They they get politics and they love politics, but they are it's bleeding over into cinema, and they're they're kind of spoiling the fun for people who just like good old fashioned art, storytelling, craft, etc. Yeah. I agree. They're buzzkills, man. Wet blankets. Yeah. Fuck them all. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so number seven, Mr. Penn. Uh, this is this movie is uh, my marriage story. It's uh, not Marcus Penn's. My my marriage is going to be amazing, but I'm just saying like the marriage story that I was drawn to, and that's Carlos Regatta's Our Time. Like I hate to be one of these like people who are just like, oh, you think that is. Um, they're like, oh, you think that seemed to Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson? We'll watch it. I, I'm not trying to be that guy, but I just feel like in terms of relationship movies, I think our time really pushes the limit outside of like your typical relationship. Because this, this is a movie, it's a movie about like a strained relationship about a couple that's in an open relationship. So that's a whole other can of worms. And the movie's three hours long. So it, it and to me, and I, I love Carlos Regattas. It didn't feel like three hours to me, maybe to someone else, but it really takes his time exploring just how like when you're together for years and years and years, you have children. There's already that those things that can come up in a marriage. And then on top of everything else, hey, we sleep with other people. And that's a whole other, you know, thing. The movie is beautifully shot. There's some hilarious parts in it. There's some angering moments in intentionally. There's some really weird, random, you know, things in it. And then they're like... What plays the background, and this is a huge criticism of Carlos Regattas, is that he likes to only show the kind of upper crust of Mexico. And there's, a, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna push back on that. There's an argument to be made, but at the same time, that's where he comes is he, from. Is he? So, he's the white patriarchy of Mexico. Kind of. Someone, <laughs> someone kind of said that to me, and someone I released my decade list. I just love how, but, as as a white guy, my race keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. It's like they, people keep getting cast yeah, I, out I'm, of their own societies, and I was like, all right, fine, like more the merrier. Come, 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 hang out. place. To, like, yeah, some everybody's black women invited and, to hang with Jamie. So. I, I'm, 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 I'm a white guy now of, of, of my people now, apparently also, but um. Yeah, I did. Two may tell you that, huh? <laughs> no, no. Well, in two mayors, in two mayors, we all were were were, were cis well, black the, men. What's so that new uh, Lovers on the Run movie that he got in trouble for criticizing? Um, oh, Queen, Queen and Slim. Slim yeah. which I, I he mean, got in trouble for criticizing it. You know what? Shout well, out to M. Two May Gant because you know what? That was the most thoughtful, eloquent review. I agree. I've read. I agree. All you got to have him year. on the show at some point. Yeah. 
it made me because it, it, it was on my list. I mean, but then again, I will say, and I said this to Marcus in a text message. You look at the poster, Queen and Slim. It looks like a mashup of Wes Anderson and a Tarantino flick. If just by the font alone, the big Queen and Slim looks like the font from all of Wes's movies, and then like the the credits on around the side of it looked like the credits from like Jackie Brown, and I was just like, and fans okay. of that movie, like you see on social media, they're already like, oh, we're going as Queen and Slim for Halloween, and it's like you're missing the you completely missed the point of that movie if you want to dress up anyway Ugh. I want to go back to go back to because that Jesus Christ but going back to our, our time yeah I, I, you know I just wanted to say Carlos Regatta's come from that world so I feel like let him make a movie about what he knows I feel like it's a lose-lose situation because if Carlos Regatta tried to make a movie about poor Mexico it would yeah. piss pe- pe- people off just like the whole with Gre- Greta Gerwig she's getting a lot of hate for like how come there's no people of color in your movie and it's like fine you know if she did you would hate her for that too. Like you, you would rake her. You, you, you can't for that. win either way. So filmmakers just need to stick to their guns and tell the stories they want to as tell. As long as it's good. People who like to eat outrage for breakfast will find some way to get on your nuts one way or another. You cannot win. So at that point, I'm like, all right, well, if I can't win with you, then I'm not even going to try to remotely please you. So just yeah, yeah, filmmakers need to stick to their instincts and let. The rest of the world figure it out. It's like it's like too like that's why you know like I love Olivia Sayas movie so much because like the world he comes from I don't know any anything about but I know he knows that world and he tells it so well like it's like there's upper class and there's like rich and then and it's no mystery if you just read enough about him Olivia Sayas comes from wealth and no, it's John like, Goddard came from wealth exactly it's like, so, so I comes from wealth. That. like yeah yeah this whole idea that everything needs to be like comrade approved socialist art it's like well are we working for Stalin like in 1930s Russia or, or what the fuck are we doing here yes. and <laughs> a lot of this like vilifying look I, I get the whole oh man like this whole like I get the rich equals evil kind of thing but at the sit the iron at the same time a lot of the art we love a lot of the movie theaters we love a lot of the museums we love are kept alive by people like the Olivia Sayas. was created like by an astronomically you know, wealthy guy. That's who just what I'm saying. To, so we can't. Who's probably losing money. Yeah, like so we can't. That, but it, can't, can't, but it you know, employs a lot of his friends, so he loves it. And so yeah, he. So is well, not, the smartest know. thing he ever did was put the bar there because I think it's the bar and the restaurant that oh, makes sure. them the money. Yeah, which makes and, me miss the old IFC. Remember, for the first yes, year of IFC, absolutely. they had the bar. That's what Dude, I love. Remember about the night IFC. we were there? Maybe you weren't there or not, but the night that oh no, the night that David Lynch was there, and he was hanging out with Bill Pullman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but uh, yeah, so uh, our time, Carlos Regattas, uh He he has yet to make a bad movie, in my opinion. Well, I love whenever people post pictures of all the, like the great Mexican filmmakers right now, and obviously like Guillermo del Toro and Alfonso Cuarón and Alejandro González Iñárritu. And if Carlos Regatta's in the pick, people on Twitter are always like, "Who's that guy?" And, I know. And Marcus I know. is always like, "I'm like, God Fuck damn it. Yeah. I know, I am absolutely. <laughs> it's like, who is that? Son of a bitch! Don't you know? Yeah. All right. Well, I mean, the work that he's doing, you know, and then you look at and then you look at like Roma last year and the fact that that got all the attention that it got. And here's Regatta's making movies about, you know, the Mexican lower class that isn't getting that attention. Right. You know, so, you know, you should get a job at Netflix. Yeah. Well, you know what? Hey, listen, Netflix. Listen to us. Listen to Captain Penn. I I agree. Yeah. Throw throw. Yeah. Throw Regatta some money. Netflix. Number seven. Number Number seven. Lula Wang's. The Farewell. Very nice. Oh, wow. You know, I got to tell you. It's another A24, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, man. A24 I mean, had a monster year. She she wrote and directed this movie that really caught me off guard. And, you know, it's a story about, you know, a, a grandmother who's terminally ill and her, her sons and her daughters and their family is keeping it from her because of, you know, the customs that they have that if you inform, you know, the ailing that they're sick. 
they'll die quicker. So they plan this impromptu, this quick impromptu wedding in order to say goodbye to her. And it was really just one of the more thoughtful, heartwarming movies I saw all year. In that it, well, first of all, it didn't. For even though it's probably considered a quote unquote American film, it very much seeped in the culture. 75% of it is subtitled, so it really should be considered a foreign film or an international film. Uh, but it really, I, I I was just profoundly moved by it, and especially by the end, which, you know, you can't give it away because then it just blows the whole movie. But it was one of those experiences that I had this year that I just sat in, that I sat in a theater and I was just happy and sad and moved and... It's why we go to movies. It brought me. It brought me to a different world that that is very different from our world, but in a way very similar. And the fact that a twenty four gave this a nationwide release and people went to see it, it was really, it was really quite something. And also, Aquafina really showed her range. I mean, she's very funny in Crazy Rich Asians and the Ocean's Eight movies, which are just they're fine movies. Or just fine entertainment, but she really, she really showed a range here, and I'm ready and willing to see anything that Miss Wang makes or that Aquafina's in. Is Aquafina the new uh, Jumanji flick? Who? Is it Aqu- Aquafina? I don't know. I don't, I don't watch those kind of movies. <laughs> well, you just said I'll see any kind of movie, so I was. I was going to put that. No, I was being death. funny, but no, no. But listen, you know. You, you, Let me see. You know, we're at a point now as 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 older guys, as older film buffs, where you know these new stars come yeah, around. Yeah, she's supposed to Ming and and Jumanji the next level. So well, you know what? I you, bet you to support Becky Deanna. Well, you got to go check it out. I will always support Becky Deanna, and I will probably see that because of her, because she, you know, she has. A, a screen presence that's warm and inviting and funny, and you know there's not many actors or actresses that that do it for me like that. But I will. But see the farewell, and please don't read anything about it. I mean, obviously you know what you know, but it, it really it really pays off by the way that the movie ends. And nice. it was one of those yeah. it was one of those experiences that that I had in the theater this year that I kind of had last year with A Star Is Born. Where I just sat and the credits rolled and I was, I was moved. So, yeah, the farewell. Beautiful. Well, we've already tackled my number seven. It was Parasite. But on that note, <laughs> All right. Mr. Penn, yeah, number six. Uh, my number six is American Dharma, and um, I'll keep this short because I, actually a lot of what we just recently spoke about uh, with my with my uh, my number seven. Um, and just other stuff. It's just a lot of that surrounds American Dharma too, where there's a lot of outrage before even seeing You're giving it. him a platform. Exactly. When it's just like, just know a little about Errol Morris to know he's the most non-Tea Party right-wing guy there is. And it's like, I think, I'm not going to use the word beautiful. I'll say the best thing about this movie is that a guy like Errol Morris and Steve Bannon will sit down and talk. And it's just like, as someone who is absolutely not a fan of Steve Bannon, it's not like... And it doesn't have to be a knife fight inside of a no. phone booth. And it, exactly. And it's not like my idea. I, I wasn't, you know, recruited. Now it's like, oh, Steve Bannon was right. It's like, no, I still dislike him. It's just he that if anything, that movie verified a lot of what I don't like about him. And also what 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 it's like so few people saw it 
for a year, it was just driving me crazy hearing people give their opinion on something they hadn't seen. It felt kind of cool being like on the inside. It was just like there was this one little like journalist festival and then TIFF. That was the only two times that American Dharma had screened for like a year. So I just was constantly telling people, it's like, there's actually points in that movie where Errol Morse goes against what he's kind of supposed to do and does insert himself. Like, you know, there's like two parts. There's one part where Steve Bannon is talking and then Errol Morse cuts him off. He's like, no, no, no. Don't you think that's wrong? Or there's another part where Errol Morris is like, I'm just going to be blunt. You and a lot of your policies scare me. You know what I'm saying? It's like that. Errol Morris didn't even have to do that. You know what I'm saying? And I just think movies like that, Jojo Rabbit, even Joker to the point where it's just like had a lot of these people been around years ago. It's like that great. Not that I'm saying he's great, but like that great Idi Amin documentary by Barbara Schroeder wouldn't have been allowed to, exactly. to, to, to have it's been like, made. Are you trying to normalize yeah. eating people? It's, it's like, like you no, need to. It's, it's history. A like, and also, history is history. <laughs> exactly. It's like some history is shitty, but you have to know. You know, like there's great, like you know, because it worries me too. Like Alexander Sokharov, who amazing filmmaker, um, also the a, son. A, a friend of Tarkovsky. It's it's exact. Okay, exactly that trilogy of movies where it's like Moloch, Taurus, the Sun, where it's like. Emperor Hirohito, uh, and then another one's about um, Lenin, and the other movie's about Hitler, and it's just like, um, oh, I'm sorry, Stalin, although Lenin's in it, but Stalin, Hitler, and Hirohito, and all those movies are great, and it's just like, so are we, or Downfall, going back to Bruno Gant, what you were saying earlier, so it's like a movie like Downfall. It's a weird thing where they can, treat can, people can like children made? as if people aren't smart enough to be exposed to chapters of history and not learn a lesson or decide for themselves, and it's a strange thing where I feel like if you treat people like children who can't think for themselves, well, you will create a generation that is unable to think for themselves, and I feel like being challenged it's the best way to expose ideas. Like, what's that old expression? Like, how sunlight is the best disinfectant. Right. And huh. when you ban a debate or ban a discussion or outlaw a discussion or deplatform somebody for having that discussion, you're only feeding like fuel to the fire yeah. to whatever idea it is you might oppose. And the best thing you can do is have a discussion in an open forum or in a yeah. documentary, whatever the case might be. And hist going back thousands of years, historically, that is how. Problems get solved, and that's how bad ideas get destroyed, and good ideas get kind of rise to the top. And I just, I'm completely, totally opposed to these people who think that the best way to win an argument is not to have the argument. Yeah, and I also to, to bookmark since you know we're at the end end of a decade. This decade has been so strange for Errol Morris because it's just like you start 2010 or maybe it was 2011. Well, t Festival Circuit in 2010, he made this movie Tabloid, which is one of the greatest awesome. documentaries ever. <laughs> and then, you know, um, The un Unknown Known, that was in my top 10 of 2014, I think. And then to end it off. That shows how much society's changed you know, in five years exactly. that a Donald Rumsfeld documentary, not a peep, exactly. but a Steve Bannon documentary. Yes. <gasps> You're taking the words right out of my mouth. Exactly. So American Dharma is my number six. I'm glad, you know, I... I it also kind of seemed for a little bit that Errol Morris was starting to lose his mind on social media. And I don't mean to make fun. Like he, a lot of times filmmakers don't respond back to like the guy with, you know, 20 followers like bashing you. But there were times when he was just like, what are you talking about? It was just like, you don't know what you're talking about. And finally it got released and, you know, hopefully he'll, um, he'll get back. This won't be a problem, you know, when he wants to make his next film. And, you know, he's, uh, he also did some Chipotle commercials, like all the recent Chipotle commercials. You hear his voice in the nice. background. You hear Errol Morris talking in the background. And he did Elizabeth Holmes interviews, which I'm sure he's trying to live that down. After he's done some that, Holiday <laughs> Inn commercials. He's done, yeah. So, but yeah, people gotta American eat. Dharma. People gotta yeah, eat. American yeah, Dharma. Gotta my pay number the bills. six. My number six is Olivia Wilde's Booksmart. Oh wow! Nice. All right, nice. lay, lay it on us. I mean, 
it's one of the best directed movies of the year. One of the most interesting debuts. It's one of the funniest movies of the year, if not the funniest movie of the year. It, you know, it, I, I'm sure a lot of people have compared it to Superbad and, and said that it was the female version of Superbad, but this just knocks, this kicks Superbad in the ball. We got the little sister of the star of Superbad doing a you know what? A, a one night in high school kind of you know what was it was it can't hardly wait like there's always there's always these high no, school right. comedies that's like well, the last and, and, and honestly she's funnier than him she's funnier than him billy lord though man i mean that's one of the best performances yeah. of the year that's my favorite supporting actress performance of the uh, year is billy lord is Gigi. i mean her her sidekick the dude from righteous oh gemstones no he made that He's he made books for me he made that movie for me no yeah. listen it, it, it really is one of it is one of the better high school movies to have come out in the last 20 years. Well, that genre is like dead now. They don't even make those in them anymore. Like in the 80s. PTA's making one. Yeah, uh, well, fuck yeah. But I, <laughs> it's a great genre. And in the 80s, it was like the, you know, obviously it was the golden age of high school sex comedy. Last American Virgin. Yeah. And, and it's like, bring them on. And now it's like, <gasps> we can't talk about teenagers fucking. But then you have a show like Euphoria on HBO. And you're like, All right, well, clearly people still like high school crazy sex stories. And even yeah. just the construction of the screenplay, like the fact, and, and the spoiler alert, the fact that the principal's an Uber driver is one of the funny fucking yeah, things yeah. I've ever seen yeah. like well of course and it's a comment on education and how you know these people you know have to supplement their income in order yeah. to, you know My without being teacher. like message it's yeah. it's 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 out there it, to me it was one of the most enjoyable movies of the year, and I had what, a blast. And what I love about Booksmart is it, go, it goes hand in hand with a movie that, while well, neither of these are on my top ten, but still movies that are in my honorable mention, I enjoyed. This goes hand in hand with fighting with my family in that, uh, which I didn't see. It, ta- it it's this whole idea of like the cool kids who were kind of vilified in the eighties and nineties are actually like we're actually not that bad. Like you know we're just like like you guys are kind of assholes too. Like you know what I'm saying. And and, and fight, fighting with my family. Uh, does the same thing that uh, Booksmart did with like the because she's like you know I'm finding my family she's this like pale goth dark haired you know wrestler and in the world of wrestling like big tits blonde hair and being tall that that automatically gets you over and she immediately goes in with a chip on her shoulder and it turns out the 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 statuous blonde women are like the coolest people ever and she hated them yeah, like Florence for so Pugh long. Florence had a so. huge year. Yeah, she did. Yeah, she did. Oh my and god, that's her too. Yeah, it's Florence Exa- Pugh. I didn't exactly. Yeah, she yeah. doesn't even look like her. But and yeah, she's that's in her. Black Widow coming up the spring. She's now yeah. in a fucking Marvel movie. But Florence Pugh went from like Outlaw King into like Midsommar and to all all these. But yeah, Florence Pugh has definitely arrived, which leads to my number six, which is Midsommar, which is Florence. Oh, Pugh. nice. Yeah, yeah nice. nice. Okay. Well, before you, go, I don't want to interrupt you in your number six, but. Uh, shout out to Stephen Merchant. I mean, here's a guy who partnered up with Ricky Gervais, and then they oh, went yeah, their yeah, own yeah, separate yeah. ways. And he has done his own work that has been very good. I mean, Hello, Ladies, funny show on yeah. HBO was really well done. From uh, Logan, like all kinds of just stuff that he I mean, he he's in, he's you know? probably the funniest thing in Jojo Rabbit. Mm. One Maybe. of them. Okay. One of oh, them. No, Taika Waititi is pretty goddamn funny as Hitler. Yeah. Why well, wasn't I was not crazy about that movie? It didn't make my top ten, but I. It wouldn't have hit my top. But 20. I wasn't part of the the outrage brigade yeah, that was no, trying exactly. to ban it for release. I want, well, no, and I'm you not can't part joke of about Nazis. It's like who says? Like yeah. people have been well, joking no, about Nazis since but, fucking Nazis first appeared. But yeah. for me, I mean, when you have a movie like that and you're going up against other films like The Great Dictator and Life is Beautiful it just falls completely flat for me mm. and it also felt what about like, to be or not to be Ernst Lubitsch well I mean 
another classic, just completely. Mel it, Brooks the producers, but I mean, my know, point is, there are a lot of comedies making fun of Nazis, and suddenly there's this new breed of idiots out there who thinks you're not allowed to make jokes about a certain topic. It's like you can make a joke about any topic. I don't give a fuck what it is. But there's also a new breed of idiots that think that this movie's a masterpiece when really it just looks mm-hmm. like yeah. uh, he watched too many Wes Anderson movies. And that's what Jojo Rabbit reminded me of. Definitely the music cues in, in Jojo Rabbit. The music sure. cues, the production design. I mean, almost down yeah. to the center it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Hashtag yeah. Tim Heidecker. You know, yeah. like... What do you think of uh, Taika Waititi's earlier stuff like Hunt for the Wilder People? And well, like, like Eagle, Eagle vs. Shark. Shark yeah, Eagle vs. Shark is hysterical. But it's one of the best movies. Wilder People is one of the best movies of the last decade. No question. God, you know, I love but that you, movie so much. But, yeah, no. It, it, Jojo Rabbit just did not... It, it didn't hit the home run that it needed to. No, I don't think it's as good as Ragnarok, and I don't think it's as good as Hunt for the Wilder People. But I did enjoy it. But and, uh, I but didn't was, hate it. Yeah. But it's but there's a lot of people who are like, oh my god, this is going to win Best Picture. This no, is no, blah, no, blah, no, blah, no, blah. no, no, no. Irishman's like, going to win Best Picture. We could only hope. Yeah. Okay. We could we we yeah. could only hope. If I were to lay down some cash and if I was uh, Adam Sandler and Uncut Gems, that that's what I'd be betting on with some crazy elaborate parlay. Yeah. Listen, <laughs> listen, do not be surprised. That parasite makes history this year. Oh, it'd be I'd a be fine with that. I'm picture. fine with that. I would be That'd fine be awesome. with that. Um, but there's other movies that I'm sure that we'll be talking about further on, and that sure. that could very well upset the Irishman. It would be great to see the Irishman win Best Picture because De Niro's not getting nominated for Best Actor. At least I don't think he and is. And then Joe Pesci mm-hmm. probably going to go. And it would statue. be nice to see Martin Scorsese and Robert De Niro win Academy Awards as producers. I think that would be oh cool yeah that, that would, would be, be awesome. absolutely fantastic yeah. and also Emma Tillinger Koskoff produced The Irishman and Joker nice so she herself is make is and as a woman which it's funny everybody's talking about oh no women are nominated for director no women no but a woman produced two of the best movies this year sure and made them happen. Also, they're cool all overlooking the Nightingale. It's like when people when people start getting mad well, about right. how oh, they've always but they, are, yeah, but they 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 want the demographic represented, but they don't actually see the movies by the people who are represented by the demographics. Like, well, then put your money where your mouth is and actually support those. All it movies. means it's like it's Patty Jenkins and Greta Gerwig. I just wish people would admit that when they start talking about oh female, like it's like but a small like, handful of people is who you're really talking about. Because just like you said, there's the Nightingale. It's like. I guess Claire Denis got got a decent amount of love this year for who she is, but there's like so many like Atlantiques. Like if we're gonna talk about check marks, everything like Maddie biracial Dia. woman filmmaker, half African, like all that stuff. It's like push her, give give, give her the push, but whatever. Yeah, yeah, no. Yeah. So I didn't mean to jump no, on no, 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 six, but go right. I told you that I want to go to that festival in Sweden. No, you said it would be cool to go. Yeah, and then I got the opportunity, and I decided Look, I to do it. I don't mind you going. I just wish you would have told me. That's all. Dude, she needs a therapist. You've been wanting out of this stupid relationship for, like, a year now. And don't forget about all of the beautiful Swedish women you'll meet in June. Okay, guys. That's not her again. Seriously? Babe, what's happening? Danny. I was so very sorry to hear about what happened. I'm sorry. I invited Danny to come to Sweden. You know what she's been going through? Christian says you've got this special week planned. It's sort of a crazy festival. Special ceremonies and dressing up. That sounds fun. 
unbelievable. Welcome and happy midsummer. Skull! What time is it? 9 p.m. That can't be right. The sky is blue. This is what 9 p.m. is like here. <laughs> How long have you two been together? Just over three and a half years. Four years. Really? Yeah. What do you think? It's like another world. Tomorrow's a big day. Is it scary? What is it? It has special properties. What am I going through? We just need to acclimate. I don't want to acclimate. I want to go. Absolutely not. What's happening? I don't know why you invited us. That's why you look so guilty right now, because you know. We only do this every 90 years. I was most excited for you to come. Oh, well, Midsommar scared the shit out of me. It made me laugh hysterically. It's got one of the funniest sex scenes in human history. Yeah, it does. And it was just like, at the end of it, I was just limp. I was lying, like, sprawled out in my seat with my legs out and my arms out in all directions. Like, wow, that was like a, like a, a, I got taken away on a cinematic experience and it just held me under its spell and it was gruesome in the best possible way. And yeah, I think uh, A24, I mean, guys like Ari Aster and all these people that are emerging, they're some of the most exciting young filmmakers out there. And A24 seems to be scooping them all up. And sure. I, I'm, I'm all for it. Sure. Um, going back to that in discussion with Ken Jones and Marty at the New York Film Festival, Marty showed clips from movies that either have influenced him or things that he's really taken to. And he showed some hereditary and stuff. And he showed a clip from Hereditary. And Ari Aster was in the audience had no idea that that was even about to happen. And like you saw his mind, you saw his head explode. Predator is fucking awesome. Yeah. No, listen, he's, he's one of the few young filmmakers that are out there that are, you know, making, you know, uh, that are taking chances. Yeah. You know, and there's, you know, there are few and, and getting an audience. Absolutely. All right. Well, we're in the back nine. Bring us in for our number five. Uh, we already talked about it, but Un Uncut Gems nice. is, is in my top nice. five. Um, well, one thing I yeah. didn't mention, well, actually, it's your turn, so yeah. No, no, Before say it. No, no, please, say but it. I forgot to mention how I like movies that invite you into a world that you don't even know exists. And the fact that like 36 blocks north of here in the Diamond District, between 5th and 6th, you just have this really specialized little universe and subculture that I will never be a part of and probably never really get to like experience firsthand, but I just love how maybe invited us into that world. And it was such a visceral, intense, clearly defined little universe. Yeah. And it's, you know, this sounds so weird when I say what I'm about to say, but like that movie makes me weirdly nostalgic to certain aspects of 2019. Cause first of all, like I said earlier, I was literally on 47th street between fifth and sixth today, uh, getting my wedding band, Earlier this year, uh, at the end of February, I went to go get uh, my fiance's engagement ring there. And just walking down that street, it kind of feels like the beginning where it's like, no, I don't want to buy. No, just leave me alone. Like, like, oh, I don't want to buy again, anything. Uh, welcome back. Yeah, it's like, yeah. no, I don't want I'm just going up to see my regular. And the fact that like I now weirdly have a person in the Diamond District that I go see because I've dealt with this woman three times now between a gift for my her birthday just passed engagement ring my wedding band so it, it feels a little weird going there but like people are just like hey buy that like no i don't want it. it's just like they really capture that like 
old school New York to a certain degree. And and it makes me think of my dad. Like my dad would have watched that movie and would have wanted a separate movie about um, Eric Bogosian's two bookie guys. Yeah. Those are the kind of New Yorkers that always tickled my dad. Like he always appreciated because my dad's a New Yorker, born and raised in deep Queens, New York. So like those kind of people always like my dad liked movies like that. So I know my dad would have loved that movie to death. No, so. listen, it's yeah. we, we talked about it up top. We're talking about it now. And I think we're going to talk about it again. I mean, my number three. Yeah. I, I oh, mean, nice. I, I mean, two years ago or two and a half years ago when I went on the hunt for for my engagement ring i mean i went to the diamond district yeah, yeah. you know and i didn't buy there i mm. went and wound up buying somewhere else but i mean it, it's one of the few neighborhoods in new york city that is still definitively new york i agree and the way that the safties capture that and the way that the safties have captured other areas of new york in their films i mean it's 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 part of it's part of the thing of scorsese that i've missed for so long in mm. a way, mm. yeah. and it's but it's well, also the children of Scorsese. So in a way, well, so it's kind of totally. like he kind of low key birthed it, and I mean that in 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 like no, in, in a respectful way. The most way. respect, but it's also but it's, it's also something that's just been missing from New York movies. Period. Are the Sassy Brothers from here? Yes. Yes. Manhattan. Yeah. Manhattan yes. and oh, yeah. Queens, because they split their time between their parents. Oh, I didn't know so that. So one oh. of them, you know, I I'm not. Sure. I think the father lived in Queens, oh, and okay. the, the mother okay. lived in Manhattan. Their stepfather. I believe that that's the story, the little yeah. bit that I've read on them. But no, they're New York through and through, and yeah. it's nice to, you know, for our generation to have a have successful New York filmmakers. Yeah, you that need are your Ferraras, you need your Scorseses, you need your Sidney Lumet, your Woody Allens, and I think the Safdie brothers are emerging as this generation's cool New York directors that make New York feel exciting and dangerous. Yeah. yeah. And, and, go, and go back to what I was saying, because I watched it again recently, I was like, I remember the first time I saw it, the way it ended... Again, no spoilers. It was just like, oh shit! And then like the second <laughs> yeah, time great, I saw it's a it, great jump. You but jump. This, the second time I saw, it, I was like, you know what? Fair enough. Like, what the fuck? What else was gonna happen? Like, you mm, just what else? What else? Yeah. What happen? else would have happened? What else? So, Indeed. Um, I love and, Eric. And, and Eric Bogosian. Is, is yeah, so no. Great. Let's he's talk so about Eric Bogosian he, for he, a minute. He's good in Succession as well. He's yeah. good. He works out at my gym. I saw him. Oh, on the, does he? Yeah. Oh, I saw him on the subway once. Oh, nice. Yeah, no. I mean, listen. That's a dude who. You know, talk he's been radio, around baby. for a long. Yeah, exactly. Talk radio. He's been around for a long time. He's a writer. He's a director. He's an actor. He also did a great. I I, I don't want to sound mean, but he wasted an amazing performance in a meh movie in the um. What was the John Holmes movie? Wonder, Wonderland. Yeah, he was he was essentially the Alfred Molina guy. The real person Alfred Molina was based on in 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 Wonderland. He was so good in that. The rest of the movie, whatever. But yeah. He's also one of those guys that you appreciate because it's like, I think he's a theater guy first. Yes. So when he he's shows up on TV or when he shows up in a movie, it's like this nice little treat because he's not, it's not, you don't see him in something in a movie every year. Um, you know what I'm there's saying? There's scenes so, in Succession like where during the uh, testimonies before Congress and he's grilling Greg and Greg is like, well, if it must be said, then so it is. And, <laughs> and Eric Bogosian's like, you don't have to talk like that. You can just talk like a normal person. But <laughs> it's an, nice. ex- an incredible exchange. But nice. yeah, Succession. No, another cool show that celebrates New York in a lot of fun ways. Yeah. Nice. Um, just to talk about Succession, I am beyond thrilled and honored that J. Smith Cameron, the wife of Kenneth Lonergan, who plays Jerry on Succession. She's brilliant. She's brilliant. She's incredible. She follows me on Twitter. She's nice. one of my, oh, my wow. followers. Oh, she's the secret MVP, MVP of the show. I mean, she's, she's, Absolutely. If, even if all the heads were to roll, you know Jerry would still be there, still standing, surviving. She's the, the, the true survivor within uh, Waystar Royco. And, 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 and in many ways, her moments between 
her and Kieran Culkin this, this last season were some of the best moments best, of any yeah. entertainment that best I sex got comedy to see. material My like on HBO. God. All year. Yeah. And and you know what? And her performance um, in uh, Margaret. Uh, playing Anna Paquin's mother is, you know, it, w- that movie's one of my favorite films of the last decade, which we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about at the end of the, number the show. Yeah. But my number five is Parasite. Nice. Nice. You know, and I really don't have much more to add on, on what I've already said about it, except that it's, it's a home run. I mean, it grabs you, it hooks you, and it doesn't waste a moment. It doesn't waste any of your time. A lot of movies don't do that, and this one is is really. I think his his moment has arrived. This because after Snowpiercer, people liked it, but it didn't pop. Parasite fucking popped. Yeah, right. Yeah, no. Well, I mean, there's not more than I could say about it other than that. It's just massively enjoyable, and uh, I think everybody should see it. All right. Well, my number five was not in my top ten the first time I saw it, but then over Thanksgiving when my family's in town, we were looking for a movie that we could all enjoy together as a fam. So I took a couple of them to see. Ford v Ferrari, and the second time around, I was like, oh, "This man. movie is you didn't fucking see it either." Huh? No, Let's go. I hate hearing that. Uh, yeah, and okay. I okay. heard it again today from yeah. someone else. She was like, "I really love that dad and movie." Yeah, it's, it is. It is a total dad. That's why I made a pitch to my mom and my little brother. I said, my stepfather, he passed away a couple of years ago. I was like, "This is a movie Billy would have fucking killed to have seen." Y'all need to go see it because it'll make you think of Billy. And so that we all went, and I fucking loved it. The racing scenes are so immersive and so exhilarating. Christian Bale's finally getting to do his Welsh accent. He hasn't done a Welsh accent in decades. True. Hysterical. <laughs> but it's just a great movie about business and innovation and like Ferrari and Ford going to war without any guns, but just the pursuit of excellence and like can you achieve total perfection in order to, to defeat your adversary? And yeah, James Mangold, the key kind of keeps getting better. And I think, I think, which is great. Yeah. He, I mean, he keeps he keeps cranking stuff out, and I I lo- and I also I love seeing a movie make a hundred million dollars domestic that doesn't have. I mean, I love superheroes, but I don't want every hit to be superheroes. Of course, of course. We need war movies. We need car movies. We need comedies. We need teenage sex comedies. We need all kinds of stories. And finally, we have a dad movie that made fucking money. So I'm thrilled. Nice. You know, it's nice to see someone like Mangold continue to make movies, and that they become increasingly more successful, and that he's raising the bar on himself and that he's, you know, doing, you know, different things. He's well, not Logan resting was a runaway success. And I think Logan opened the door. To, the only downside of this is that Michael Mann won't get to make it because Michael Mann was this big passion project for forever. He's one of the it producers was. on it. Yeah. But Michael Mann wanted to do this for forever. And now, obviously, that will not happen. Yeah, well, um, shout out for Heavy and Copland. You know, two great independent films. Yeah, Mangold, you know. The only movie he's made that I didn't really like was um, The Wolverine. And I'm glad he got to do like a take two with Logan because Logan was mm, so much better sure, than sure. The Wolverine. And I'm not crazy about Walk the Line. I mean, I know that, you know, Joaquin's Joaquin and, you know, you know, whatever. But it was just one of those empty biopics for me that just I never really went back to. And it just it, it was never, you know, so. So, no, again, it's just nice to see. You know, someone like Mangold, you know, knocking out of the park and doing thrive. well. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, Mr. Penn, number four. My number four. Hold on. Oh, I lost my. Ah, okay. Because I was looking up something to talk about. Uh, it is uh, Atlantiques. Nice. Uh, nice. What basically, what I love so much about this movie is outside of just like Netflix kind of took a chance on something, but it's like what starts out as like a simple love story. It's been told a million times. This is not a spoiler where it's like 
you're this woman and you're supposed to marry this like more wealthy, better off guy, but you're more genuinely and organically in love with this, you know, poor guy. Then suddenly shifts into this like almost unexplained, somewhat surreal ghost story. And there's certain kind of and there and there's commentary about government, about so- social issues that I don't and still don't even completely know. But basically, it's the kind of thing where like I love the movie when I saw it, just from the visuals to the to the story that that it told, and then the shift in tone and just in the shift in story. But then it also got me to googling like, hey, what's 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 this all about, or you know, what's going on over here. And, you know, I want to say also because I think as an actress, uh, Maddie Diop, the director of Atlantics, I think she's most known as playing the daughter in Claire Denise 35 Rums. And I think a lot of and this is understandable. I'm not hating on anyone. I think the natural thing, you know, gets compared to, you know, oh, it's, uh, you know, it's there's shades of Claire Denis in it. And it's like, sure, I guess. But it's like I think people are forgetting her father is a legend of African film. Her father is the, you know, is the, the Jibril Diop, who, you know, two of the biggest, like in the canon of African films, I mean, imagine making just one, but he made two in that. He made Tukibuki and he made Hyenas. So it's like the daughter of these two masterpieces of African film made a great film herself. Wow. You know what I mean? So it's like, Wow, I did yeah. not know that. Oh, yeah, I yeah, yeah. I did not know that. Tukibuki is yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, it's... That's it's his daughter. The, it, wow, I did not know that. I understand too, because Claire Denis, because we high life, which you know will be coming up shortly. But it's like they work together, and, and you know and they have a relationship outside of just Thirty Five Rums. Actually, Maddie Diop had a scene in Bastards that you know that was cut. So, so, so they have a working relationship. But you know, give give the dad some credit too. Outside of just you know making ma- making her, it's like you know I think she got a lot of her chops from him. You know what I'm saying? So. Shout shout him out too. I think yeah, I think that would make a really cool like it's almost like African cinema's version of like the Coppola's to some degree, like Francis Ford and Sophia. Absolutely, like, you know what I'm saying. So yeah, Atlantics and every year, not so much by the people in this room or the listeners of the show, but like personal friends of mine who always like to support my blog, you know, my list. Sometimes you know they complain these types of movies. Oh, it's so hard to see, but it's like it's on Netflix. Everyone has a Netflix account, even if you don't. Yeah, people you have love a password. to bash the shit on Netflix for yeah. a variety of reasons, but it's like this is another example of like Atlantics crazy chances. And, yeah, and so they there's a lot of good coming out of Netflix that you just don't see at a place like Paramount or Universal exactly. or something exactly. like that. Yep, I agree. So please, Atlantics has been before. Check it out. And let's talk about Netflix for just a moment. Okay. You know, talking about... <laughs> no, 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 I just want to say you and something. I have disagreed about Netflix well, in the no, past. no, 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 but I will... But, no, and we have, but I do want to go on record and say, you know, thank you, Netflix, for saving the Paris... You know, as much as we talk about trying to kill the theatrical and breaking experience, like a seventy-year-old law about like vertical integrated, because th- usually in the late forties, Supreme Court stepped in and said studios can no longer own their own theater chains. But here we have Netflix is like, all right, everybody says we need to have theaters. Fuck you, we're gonna have our own goddamn theaters. Yeah, no, we're gonna put the Irishman on Broadway, and you know what? We're gonna reopen a theater that you know City Cinemas didn't want to pony up the money to continue to run. And, and the that's last, where you, that's where you and Tech saw Marriage Story, right? Yes. And I mean, I've seen a ton of other movies there. The last movie that played there under the city cinema's umbrella was the Ron Howard doc Pavarotti, you know. But I mean, I saw the artist there. I saw the good German. I saw Rachel there. getting married there. I saw Rachel getting married there too. And you know, so it's it's you know you you know you I I mean, listen, I've been a I've been on this show talking about how the theatrical experience is dying and whatever, and in part because of Netflix. It's just ironic that it was Netflix that saved a vital part 
of the New York City theatrical Wish experience. Wish they bought the fucking Ziegfeld. Well, right. But even still, thank you, Netflix. Thank What's you for in that. the Ziegfeld space It's now. a ballroom. Fuck. It's it. an event center. Yeah. Because I, I haven't been in it, but I'm assuming that they just gutted it, took the seats out, took the screen. Well, I believe the screen wound up at Film and Lincoln Center. Gotcha. Or at least that, or, or a projector did, or something wound up. At the Lincoln, yeah, they had at, a seventy millimeter projector because I saw the New York premiere of Hateful Eight there. Yeah, so it's, you know, but that being said, when the Paris closed in August, September, it was it was sad because you know, there, listen, people go to New York, people go to L.A. looking for yeah, as, as cinephiles looking for certain things, and the fact that there wasn't a single screen theater well, so anymore. Tons of foot traffic. I mean, you got Apple catty corner to it. Like it's a, and the Plaza Hotel. Yeah. I mean, it's a shit and central park. And I mean, the, the foot traffic that place is going to get is astronomical. So I mean, look, call me by your name played at that theater for eight months. Whoa. You know, and it was already out on DVD, Blu-ray. You could stream it or whatever. And it was still playing there because it was still making money. Yeah, killer location. But I imagine that the rent must be bib- no, biblical. You know, but even 30 years ago, a movie like A Room with a View played for a year and a half. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I'll tell you, I and, and not to digress from this, but I remember one of the first times I ever visited New York City, I went on a carriage ride with my mother and my father. I was a little kid, but across the street was cuz that's where like people get on to get on the, the horse in the carriage yeah. and across the street was it was the Paris and it had a a marquee. It said 2 by Cassavetes and it was showing a revival of wow. Cassavetes films. And that was one of my first times ever really recognizing that name and being like, oh, what's that? Very cool. So, I mean, to to think that, you know, thank you, Netflix, for saving a part of New York City film culture that I thought was was really gone. And now it's not. And now it's there. Beautiful. So well, I've had no- just yeah I've had just enough to drink I can't remember where we are we number four, my number four, four my number four is Pedro Almodovar's Pain and Glory oh, very nice which yes. I've not seen it. so lay it on us you know it's you saw it, it in NYFF I did see it in NYFF I had a ticket and I was just being lazy I was like I'm not going because I'm gonna play Nintendo I'm like <laughs> <laughs> nice what Nintendo well, I mean I'm just oh no I didn't know if you had no because I have the NES Classic at home that's preloaded with thirty games it's amazing oh very nice I could beat Super Mario Brothers in seven minutes or less. Is that Either blades way, of steel. No. Well, that, how that fast is your speed run without warping? Yeah, no, I got to warp. I got to warp the whole thing. Um, but no, I mean, Pain and Glory is you know another one of the. Well, first of all, semi semi autobiographical. Very, yes. very, um, very. You know, a lot of people kind of you know you talk about how like people are like, well, Malik's back, and people are kind of having this same conversation about Almodovar. Well, Almodovar is oh. back. But it, well, I think a lot of people slept on Julieta, and right. a lot and of the movie people. Before, well, I actually the, um, the I'm so excited they slept on that too. I, I wasn't big, I wasn't big fan, but the well, skin I live in was awesome though, no, and that right. was the big reunion, the 20 year yeah. reunion, you yeah. know, him and Banderas. But you know, anyway. so, which is the one with the giant vagina? Oh, oh was that um, tie me up, tie me down? No, no, no. no, no, no. no. Let's talk to her. Gotcha. Yeah, well, oh, yeah. With right. the person yeah. quite literally comes Abla out. Con ella. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, no, this is a story about a filmmaker who's dealing with you know, a slight heroin temptation and and pain and, and like cr- chronic pain, chronic which, pain. Which I don't that think, sequence is incredible, by the way, in the beginning of the yeah. movie. I don't think to that extent, but uh, Emil Jovar does have some chronic pain issues. I don't think it's that extreme, but he does. You have, know, he's he's he deaf. Does have that. Yeah, 
yeah, yeah. Yeah, he has a hearing problem yeah. and uh, and crazy migraines uh, apparently also. So that's where that seeps into. And it's just weird how it's like imagine it's almost like watching that movie. It's like watching De Niro play Scorsese almost because yeah. Banderas and or Warren Oates you know, play Peckinpah and bring exactly. the head of Alfredo Garcia. And you know what's so crazy though too is like they both blew up without each other. Like you know what I'm saying? Like and Antonio Banderas was he wasn't a day one guy because. Almodovar was like kind of a knockoff John Waters, you know, in the late seventies. But right. once they discovered each other, that that they were like that Spanish unit. And then out of nowhere, you know, when, when I was a kid, at least suddenly there's this Antonio Banderas guy showing uh, up in Mambo Kings. Desperado just or Desperado. It was, yeah, but it was then, Mambo Kings yeah, that really. Yeah. But then on, on the Spanish side, then it's like you know, it's like um, all about my mother. Talk to her, and it's just like nut like. Pedro Almodovar, like, I forgot which one was nominated for an Oscar, but, like, suddenly Almodovar is, like, this household art house name, and he did it without Banderas. Yeah. Yeah. All about my mother wins foreign film. When he made his speech, Billy Pistol said, wow, he makes Roberto Benigni sound like an English teacher. (laughs) (laughs) It was kind of verbally inarticulate, but very, very moving. Well, Almodovar wins foreign language film for All About My Mother, and then a few years later wins original screenplay for Talk to Her, which was a fucking, which was unheard of, or kind of still unheard of for a foreign film to take yeah. a screenplay Oscar. And fun fact, you know, he was supposed to he hasn't yet, but he he was supposed to it was it was kind of a big deal for like a second. He was supposed to do uh he was supposed to direct the Paperboy. And then right. cuz he doesn't know English like that, he just felt and there was a series of movies around that time where like foreign directors were coming over and they were kind of and he's like, "Ah, eh, I'll, I'll 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 be in the credits, but like I'll let you know Lee Daniels and Lee Daniels ended up the only great movie or good movie ever that Lee Daniels ever did was was a Paperboy, but yeah. So you know, Almodovar was supposed to direct or was offered to direct Sister Act. No, really? Wow. Why? Just because there's nuns in his mo- a lot of his movies? <laughs> like that's so it was weird. At, it was at that time. Although imagine we'd have Harvey Keitel in, 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 in an, an Almodovar, Almodovar movie. movie. That, that'd be we'll, kind we'll of be awesome. Goldberg singing, yeah, exactly. you know, Motown songs. Yeah, I need to plan an Almodovar episode for Wrong Read. Oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah, you, no. you should hit up Leanne, Leanne for that also. Yeah, she, but no, I mean, She'd listen, be... Antonio Banderas. I mean, really, you know, it's a movie that allows him to to show his range and to show him as you know a sixty year old guy and. It's you know it's 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 kind of a fearless performance, you know the story of this filmmaker who's tra- dealing with issues with his of his you know of chronic pain not only physically but internally dealing with his mom issues. But you know what's that line in um, Simple Men about? I'm in pain. You keep saying I'm in pain. What, yeah. What, what's the scene? I, I'm, I've had too much whiskey now. And I can't oh no! How, yeah, well, well, yeah. They're, they're in the, the phone booth yeah, after yeah, yeah. they're getting drunk. Yeah, yeah. when he's ta- when he's laying but, when Robert John. But Burke anytime someone mentions pain, I always think of yeah Robert yeah. Burke in that scene. Nice. Yeah. And, and it's awesome. a movie about movies, which a lot of people haven't really been talking about in yeah, terms of that movie. It's a movie about movies, and, and a lot love of movies, too, and a yeah. love of movies, and a love of making film, and this. The There's another movie about love of movies that might be coming up here. Yeah, in a few no, minutes. that might be coming up here. Yeah. yeah. Um, but just in the interest of time, because it is already eight thirty, I want to I want to move things along. No, I'm, no, no, yeah, no. Listen, yeah. no, sure, no. But yeah, pain, sure. pain and glory, great film. Beautiful. My number four is the lighthouse. Which oh my, man, that's so cool to see it this high up. That's yeah, awesome. yeah, yeah. But I um I like disturbing movies with forbidden sexuality and easily the strangest sexual moment that I saw in cinema all year was in the lighthouse with some of these mermaid erotica scenes that I was just in awe. I was like, it's almost like they found like 
like a pornographer and H.P. Lovecraft and threw them together and yeah. cooked up and got it shot by Sven Nyqvist. I was like, this is just insane. But no movie made me laugh harder this year just watching these two guys just getting fucked up and tormenting each other and farting and pissing yeah. and just being awful. And yeah, I just... I, it's not necessarily a movie you would like bill as like a comedy, but I laughed hysterically just at mm-hmm. the darkness of it. Yeah. And as you posted like on Twitter, it has easily one of the coolest, most bizarre, just like supernatural shots all year with like Willem Dafoe with like beams coming out of his eyes. Two like- of my favorite moments. <laughs> that, that, um, which is a, you know, a reference to like a, a painting that took, you have no idea. I'm, I'm, I'm people used to in early 2000s, they used to do the first, I'm the one. I'm calling that right now. I, I took forever for me to seek out that painting, but the painting that you know that's referenced, I posted that on Twitter. But that and the ending when you know I'm not. I guess this isn't really a spoiler, but just like when Robert Pattinson going crazy and like the, the sound is distorting, that shit kind of blew my mind. Like that that that. If I had to do like a top thirteen or fourteen, the lighthouse would be on it. But it had one of my favorite endings of of the year, just like Robert Pattinson. Without really delivering any dialogue, one of his best like performances, at least like in a singular scene, just going crazy. And, and I like, love the fact you know. that he's fucking Batman now. Like he's been doing yeah, movies like Good yeah, Time yeah. and doing things like uh, High Life, like High Life, and he's taking all these risks. And now he's he's, he's cashing in, but he's got all this art house cred. And so I, yeah. I continue to be impressed by him. But I just love the fact that A twenty four has got yeah Ari Aster and Robert Eggers, these two just deranged directors who are kind of in a in a fun way competing with each other you can tell that they oh, get along course, but course. they're coming up through the ranks together and i think a little artistic rivalry is always a very healthy and thing. they and they're open about their love of movies they on the a24 podcast what was like oh another moment of validation was like two years ago i did this comparison of um death you know showing up to max von Sydow. And then I compared it to the scene where Bill Pullman sees uh, Robert Blake at the party in Lost Highway from across the room. And then in their discussion, R.E.S. and Robert Eggers talk about that scene, how they remind each other. So, And then I remember quoting that tweet with my image. I was like, huh, imagine that. I, I, oh, so when they say it, you guys agree with it. But Absolutely. When I say it, I'm reaching. I see how it is. But I, I do love that they that, 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 that <laughs> it, I got a little bit of validation. It's a weird thing. There's a, like an entire like section of Twitter that gets really upset by side-by-side comparisons I, and they, they somehow don't understand the word comparison. It's like, yeah, exactly. that's the whole, like that's what he's doing. It's a comparison. Yeah, it's like, yeah, he's not yeah. saying like so-and-so stole. Hey. He's not, I mean, anyway, yeah. but they get so like violently upset over a comparison. And it's like, it's, Anyway, side yeah. by sides are they're totally harmless yeah. and they're. I love telling Marcus when he's reaching because he knows I'm kidding. Oh, of I course. just love being yeah. like you're reaching because I know how. It- well, it's funny because Funderburg said the same thing once. He was just like, "Do people when I say that? Do people know that we're friends?" And I'm joking. It's like I don't know, but I, <laughs> but don't but don't tell them. There's don't, no there's no humor them. on the internet. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. 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 Everything is overly earnest. Bulb. Yeah. We're we're in the true final stretch now. What is your number three? The souvenir. Oh wow! I think nice. Joanna yeah. Hall. Sure, uh, yeah, again, I'm sure a lot of you listening. Executive produced by Martin Scorsese. Exactly. I was gonna say. I'm, I'm sure a lot of you folks listening are are a good amount of you are familiar with me on Twitter. And like the minute back back in May when I saw this right away, I was like, this is one of my favorite movies of the year, and it's and it's held its spot all year long. Uh, I, I really love it. You know, it's like. It's this mo- where it's not Another the movie first. About movies. Yeah, it, it, exactly. Pa- part of it, part of it. This young emerging film filmmaker trying to find her voice, and the other side of it too is it's obviously not the first to do it, but it's one of the best in a long time. Where it's like a movie where it shows drug addiction, 
in the up upper class where it's not this whole thing like, oh, only poor people do heroin. I'm like, going no. out for an hour or two. Can I borrow yeah. 10? <laughs> and I remember like when I saw the trailer, it's like, what is Because they showed that one scene. Like, hey, can I borrow some money? I'm like, oh, does this guy have like gambling? Th-? Like, what is this? Because a lot of Jonah Hogg's movies are a little vague. So I didn't know what this was about. And then early on, I was like, oh, I see what this is about. He's whatever. And speaking of him, Tom Burke, one of my top five favorite performances of the year, no question, especially towards well towards the end when he's go, trying to go through withdrawal and he's just like standing up in her apartment. And he's just like grunting and screaming, trying to like fight off this addiction. He just gives such a great you know performance. And for those of you who aren't aware, I guess you would know Tom Burke from he's... Ryan Gosling's brother at the beginning of Only God Forgives. I think that's probably the biggest role that, you know. I also like to call him um, Young Stacy Keach because he, and not just because of the hair lip. I'm not trying to, you know, but they, they really, they they, no, they, 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 they remind me of, of, of each other very, very much. So, so what were you about to say? Is this A24's best year they've ever had in terms of overall no output? No question. Yeah. No I mean, question. it's, I, I was looking we're at not the done. list. I have another A24. Yeah, movie when I was looking at the up. list of all the films from like, from Climax to whatever, it's like, Jesus fucking Christ! Like how many fucking oh, amazing? Climax, yeah. I forgot because because yeah. that's like a joint because I I so because Vice also kind of co-produced a twenty um climax but uh, oh yeah climax also well I mean I it, it, they're also picking up the Weinstein company slack in a way yeah where yeah. you know I mean I've always said that a twenty four is like Miramax in the nineties and yeah you know there's a lot of these indies that would have wound up with the Weinstein company that are winding up there and. You know, but no, I mean, listen, they're it. I mean, and even with their partnership, yeah, I think they're upcoming top 10 or eight twenty four. I think, yeah, I mean, yeah. with their partner, uh, their upcoming partnership with Apple or whatever, I mean, they're just going to continue to, they're also early, you know, the, the, the brass are early focus features guys, you know, so guys that were in there that, you know, during Lost in Translation and Eternal Sunshine and Spotless Mind and 21 mm. Grams, I mean, these are people who know movies, yeah. you know, so it's, it's, it's really, uh, I think you know, it's a special if you were to time. just look at the movies released by A24, you could say that 2019 is a, a great per- year. It's a good year for movies. Yeah. And that's pretty remarkable that uh, one studio or one production company, they're single-handedly is kind of keeping film culture alive. But even in, even in the last decade, I mean... They're making a- money doing it. And they're making money doing it. And, but even if you look at some of the best of the decade list, like it's not going to wind up on my best of the decade list, but I... I love the film and I think it's great, but it winds up on a lot of other people's best of decade list. Look, it's Moonlight. I mean, they, yeah. they, yeah. you know, Moonlight listen, set everything off. Yeah, and that, and and you know what? I mean, I talked about the farewell. You're you talked about the souvenir. You talked about Midsummer. We've all talked about Uncut Gems. We all talked about it. There's and, four and like movies said, we right have, there. We and we have, have a few more coming I, up I, in this conversation. One. I have another one coming up. You know, so. last year was First Reformed. Yeah. And, you know, so, I mean, it's... Shit. Wow. I know, forgot all about that. Yeah. That was my top, That was on my top ten know, for last year. So, I mean, it's... Yeah, so I'm on Wikipedia right now. It's a special right time. 2019 from... It starts Outlaws in February, then Climax, Hole in the Ground, Glory Bell, High Life, Native Son, Under the Silver Lake, The Souvenir, Last Black Man in San Francisco, Meet Samar, The Farewell, Damn. Skin, Share, The Death of Dick Long, Low Tide, The Lighthouse, Elephant Queen, The Kill Team, Waves, and Fabric, Uncut Gems. Wow. That's an insane That's fucking year. Even yeah. Waves. Yeah. I, like, which I haven't seen yet. I, yeah, it's... Yeah, I, I it know. But, but, but Ster- give, give Sterling K. Brown 
He's not. I think that's going to be one of those performances that goes under. But if he, he deserves to be nominated for best supporting actor, I don't think See, he will thank be. Thank you for saying that. I haven't seen it yet. And I oh, just, he kills it. He listen, kills it. but he kills it in yeah, everything does. that Ms. I've Maisel. seen him in. Mrs. May. Yeah. Listen, he's so great as that hard ass manager on Mrs. May. Well, he's a hard ass dad in um in Waves, but but he's but but just underneath, just like Ms. Maisel, his performance in Waves, he's hard ass, but then. Just, just under that surface, he's the most loving person in the world, and it all comes from and 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 that eventually gets broken down, and you see where his hard assness comes from. It's like it's it's all it all has to do with love. He 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 loves the people that he takes care of in these performances. I don't know if either one of you watched This Is Us. No, I mean I know, but, but I'm sure I mean he's, great he's the he's the reason to watch the show. You fall in love with this guy, even with his faults, and he's he's he's. But does it have Yahya Abdul Mateen's blue penis like Watchmen? <laughs> Did you see that they tweeted at each other on, uh, on on Twitter? I didn't. They were, yeah. Um, so apparently um, Sterling K. Brown's been watching Watchmen and he's loving it. And then after the Doctor Manhattan, no, after the first episode where you see who Doctor Manhattan is, he's just like, "Hey, man, I've loved your work for a while. We got to hang out sometime." And then he's like, "Okay, yeah, let, let's set oh, a nice. date." Like they they had like a I thought a, you were going to say he and Billy Twitter. Crudup were comparing their blue penises on Twitter. No. <laughs> nice. I don't think Billy Another Crudup wants to. Side by side comparison. I just gave you one. <laughs> I don't think Billy Crudup wants to. Who, who wore it better? Yeah. My yeah. God. <laughs> yeah, girls, girls were very excited about that. Yeah, but, they were. Yeah. Sterling K. Brown will have an Oscar in five years. Okay. I, Even the scene between him and Michael B. Jordan in Black Panther, like the, the whole flashback exactly scene. Though. That's, that's the one tearjerker moment of, of the movie. But I mean, he, he, like I said, going back to This Is Us, not that it's, you know, it's a show about movies and not TV, it's he moves you every week. Yeah. With okay. one line or with one look, and right, you know what? There's well, back, back not to many actors yeah. that could do that. Where sure. are we? Are we at number three for Kato? Yeah, yeah. So this is going to be Kato's uh -oh. controversial pick of the wrong real episode. Whoa. My number three is Noah Bombach's Marriage Story. It's not I, that controversial. No, it's controversial to our host. No, it's controversial Hancock. only oh. because of annoying people on Twitter who are talking about like this scene should be taught in every film oh, class. Oh god. And like all of a sudden Which like, scene should be taught in every film class. The 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 fight, the final fight where he bangs on the wall and on all that stuff. Well, what did I say about that fight? There was no way that Noah Bombach ever punched a wall. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, but it's like yeah. the, the, the the two popular there was the one like they invented acting with this scene or it's just like there's no better scene or you know, name a better scene. I'll wait. And it's like, will you wait? Because I got yeah, about I got a thousand. thousand you but, know, but my but, favorite when I saw that was someone said, I'm so amazed at how much dialogue Scarlett Johansson had to memorize for the scene. I was like, have oh you ever God. been to a play? Like, they memorize hours of fucking dialogue. Or it's like, it's like, like wow, she Mel did her Gibson job. memorized the entire play of Hamlet for Franco Zeffirelli's Hamlet. Like, this is what actors do. They memorize lines yeah. and so on yeah. and so right. forth. I was like, what an inane, nonsensical, vapid piece of praise. Like, when I saw it, I was, my, my big, my only criticism was I was like, this didn't go dark enough. Like something like um, "Scenes from a Marriage" by Bergman goes dark, and I kept waiting for it to find that extra gear. Where I'm, I'm a child of divorce, and even the best divorces are ugly. Right. And I just thought the movie was tapping the brakes and didn't didn't get ugly enough. Well, well some folks, a lot, of, a lot of the, there was like a little quick trend over over a weekend going like, well, shit, my parents should have been nominated. Like they were all exactly. quote tweeting that yeah. that that line where it's like. 
I've never seen such. It's like, well, damn, then give my parents some Oscars. Yeah, fucking, like, it's like, it's like, we call that Monday night. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I also think that, tw- I mean, we're basing this on Twitter. We're also basing this on you guys follow too many people on Twitter. So you guys see true. too much like, shit. I've, 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 started to, I've started that to mute. You shouldn't be seeing. I've started to mute a lot that of is, accounts, and it fair. makes Twitter so much better you know? now. Yeah, so, so yeah. please, your friend. please. Yeah. There's, there's people on Twitter who, I'm, who I've yeah. stopped following, but because you guys follow them, I then had to mute them. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've been in the same predicament. You yeah. know, um, you know what? Listen, the, but you, you listen, I'm not a child of divorce. I'm very lucky that my parents were together same, for a long same. time or they're, sure. they're still together. I think that they would. Pro- I still saw arguments and fights, you know, they're so. fighting now. Like, oh. you know, if being married for a long time, that happens. But I'll tell you, like that movie wrecked my wife. Like I took my wife to see that movie and it broke her like the credits rolled and she was still sitting there like sobbing like i was like come on sylvie we gotta go we gotta go you know like there was no consoling her i thought i was getting divorced like i was just like (laughs) this really shined a light on in a way things that go go on between couples and compromises that you know the movies don't often you know, show now. Listen, like we're cinephiles, so we have a leg up on a lot of people. Yes, we've seen scenes from a marriage. Yes, we've seen Cassavetti's movies. Yes, we've seen those raw acting, you know, moments that should be taught in film school. But as far as I'm concerned, I, I wish people would stop tweeting that. Though. No, but, but, but listen. <laughs> so do I. But you know what though? But you know what though? They're talking about the wrong moments in that movie. True, they are. They're talking they are. about the they are. wrong moments in the they are. Every time I think about you, I wish you were dead. I'm just like, <laughs> and you know what? You know what? Hey, that's in there, and that's fine, and it's part of an argument between a husband and wife or a couple, whatever. But it's that moment when he finds the letter at the end of that movie that's like, oh, like that's inc- that's and 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 his performance in that moment, Adam Driver's performance in that moment, is his performance. In that movie, it's that. But listen, there's so many great things about that movie. And then when I told Marcus when I first saw it, Ray Liotta and Laura Dern steal the movie. True. And, like, and Alan Alda, I think away. that's another. It shows their talent how they, how like they kind Alda. of the supporting cast act circles around. And they're actually interesting characters. I think my biggest grievance of the marriage story is that neither of the two leads played roles where I was interested in the people. And I was yeah. like, all right, well, sure. I, if I if I don't if I think y'all are annoying people, your woes are not going to lure me in. You know, though there's, I will say that there's moments that Scarlett Johansson has in that movie where... Like, I prefer as Black Widow. Like, I think Black Widow's a more interesting character. No, but even, like, in the beginning of the movie when, you know, you know they come home from, from the opening night of the play or whatever, the preview, whatever it was, they, after they were on the subway and they catch the babysitter masturbating in the, you know, in the living room and he... Adam Driver wants to give her this note and she's like, eh, nah. he's not going to give her a note. He's reluctant to do it. She's like, no, give me the note. And the note is about like how the crying was forceful or whatever. And she's like, all right, well, thank you. And then she walks away and then it cuts to her walking away and that Denzel Washington tear that streams down the side of her face. Like it's a good moment for her, you know, but I, yeah, I think people are talking about the wrong moments of that movie and that they're, they're, you know, it has become a meme-centric type of thing, but we're also not talking about just how incredible Randy Newman's score is mm. in that movie. Well, mm-hmm. in the same way I was praising Joker for what it represents as opposed to the actual movie, I will praise Marriage Story for the fact that you see a drama 
about just people talking in rooms, blowing up on Twitter. That's a cool thing. Once again, talking about this is like the year of Netflix. Like Netflix, they had a, they didn't have a year like A24, yeah. but they had The King. They had it's Marriage Story. It's pretty close. They had El Camino. They had Dolomite is oh, my name. They, they had The have, Irishman. Oh, yeah, they had all this cool shit on there. And the fact that you have people debating a drama on Twitter, that is a win for cinema. So while I didn't care about the movie, more power to Noam Baumbach. I'm thrilled for his success. But when I saw people overpraising it, I was like, well, y'all just made me go from being indifferent where I'd kind of forgotten it even existed to now like hating it because I hate all of you. So- My other <laughs> problem though too with, 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 with the discourse about a lot of that movie is that movie's 50-50, yet somehow the majority of like everyone's personal triggered nonsense when seeing that movie, somehow every relationship that I've been reading about on Twitter, it's, it's always the guy's fault. I, I I find that interesting too. It's it like, is okay. always the guy's fault. No, it isn't. No, it <laughs> no, isn't. But all right. No, no, no I know. Damn sure is not. No, 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 no. no. I know I've been there. No, no, no. I was trying to be funny. Please don't kill no, me. I know, I know. Please don't fucking kill me. Um, you know, and for me. I've never been a Noah Baumbach fan. I've not even kicking and screaming. Yeah, no, oh. and and it wasn't until I like Squid and the Whale. I thought Squid and the Whale like was Squid a better version of the Marriage story. story. Just them a little older. Yeah. It, it, to me, yeah. the Squid, when Squid and the Whale came out, to me, I thought it was just a Wes Anderson rip. It, you know, I had he's already. Never, I don't think he, he's ever going to. And lose he's that. made Wes Anderson worse every time he collaborates with them. Well, I, I love Mr. Fox. I, Mr. Fox is fucking awesome. It's yeah. Life fine. Aquatic, Maz Balls. But I thought Meyerwitz. I'm gonna have to use that expression. Meh as balls. Meh as balls. Meh as balls. It's fine. And uh, I don't know. We'll come up with a third one. I was an enormous admirer of the Meyerwitz stories, new and selected, a few years ago. I, I enjoyed that. Say, yeah, I thought it was, that was my number Mare story. Yeah. And it was my number two of 2017. And I, I don't know. For me, it, and maybe it's because I'm a newlywed and. You know, or or I've been in a, a relation or long term relationship for a really long time. There's certain things that 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 go on between a man and a woman that I you know that I relate to, or that. And that's the other thing about the movie. It's a love story circled, you know, with with this divorce proceeding circled around. I mean, they truly love each other. They may not be in love with each other yeah, anymore, sure, sure. but there it but there is. You know, they'll, they'll be better friends as divorces. I mean, and you even see that at the end of the movie yeah, the that the they're movie. that yeah. you know they're better that they're better people for it. I, but part Although of he has did... to move to fucking L.A. It's like, dude, you gave up New York. Like, oh, and 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 the joke about the space is the best joke of the year in any movie. Yeah, yeah, that is a, a home run joke all the way through, and, and the knife trick is brilliant. In true like Marcus Penn fashion, I also wanted like at the end of that movie when it's like, oh, just take him, he's tired, and I just wanted him to be like. All right, but this doesn't change. Like when it's my night, it's still going to be my night. I'm not trading off. Like that's how I really wanted the movie to end. Like just so we know, this doesn't offset the nights now. So if it was yeah, my no, night you don't yesterday, get a freebie. it's my. If it was my night tomorrow, it's going to be my night tomorrow also. But but anyway, that, that's just. The way <laughs> I, yeah, that's how the movie really should end. No, you're right. You're but right. Anyway. Totally right. Uh, well, we've already two. talked about my top three, my number three ad nauseum, but Uncut Gems, uh, I love it. And moving on to number two, Mr. Penn. Uh, this should be no surprise. The High Life, Claire Denis. Uh, I love her very much, and I, I, I can be real qu- qu- quick, quick with this. It's just that at almost, another filmmaker at almost eighty, she's still doing something new, and she's still working. She's working with new collaborators. She's working with adjacent collaborators. In that, this movie had a couple of Olivia Sayas regulars. Um, and this is her second collaboration with Juliette Binoche. There's that whole family of like modern French film. And even though there is 
What's crazy is the plot to this movie is so secondary, but the plot is cool. The plot is literally, it's just about taking convicts, putting them in space to try to save the human race by having them procreate. And, but unfortunately they're having problems with that, but which is a really cool kind of like cool sci-fi story, but that's secondary to just the overall, the atmosphere, the vibe. It's like you show this Juliette Binoche who's in her fifties, who's still, so just sexy That's and beautiful. Is she the hottest you know, 50 and North actress probably, in the world? Probably. Julie Pinoche, 50 and North? Probably. Yeah, she's, she's 55. She, she's 55. 55. Yeah. I mean, she if Helen Mirren's the hottest 70 plus, I think Julia Binoche is the, and the hottest fact 50 that, plus. Like Julia Binoche's character, not in real life, but in that movie, she's got these scars all over her body and she still just makes this sensuality and sexiness look. Her and Robert Pattinson Get have on. such great pe- uh, chemistry <laughs> Without saying too much, you know, to, to to each other, and I think it's like, I think this is a nice little alternative to like, you know, every year there's like those one or two big sci-fi like space movies, and this is like a cool little, you know, alternative to that. So, yeah, Art house sci-fi yeah, yeah, is yeah. horribly rare. Yeah, and and she pulls it off great. So I, I don't think it's the biggest surprise, and I, I feel like now everyone's gonna know what my number one is. We'll get to that when we get to it. But yeah, Claire Denis' High Life is, is is my number two. Well, and you know what, it, it's 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 interesting that. Claire Denis is, after all of these years of working, of and 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 of and of just really being in the trenches as a filmmaker, and not or not even as a filmmaker, but as a film worker, yeah, you know that she's having this, this this kind of career so late in life. It yeah. just doesn't. It, it means that you don't have to be in your twenties or your thirties to make a splash. You could be in your seventies or pushing 80 and still make well, something that's relative. she was in her relative. mid-30s when she made her first like feature film no, in right, Chocolat. But she, but and she took her time. Like, how Who works under and alongside... She honed her crush to work with under Tarkovsky, work under Vim Vendors, work under Jim Jarmusch. I can't pronounce his name, but the guy who did Sweet Movie. Like, that, 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 her first gig was she worked on Sweet Movie you know, as, as right. a director's assistant. So it's like... All these legendary filmmakers, she just took her time and then... She honed her craft and she learned from the best. And her first decade of her career, France didn't even really fuck with her like that. It wasn't until Beau which was 10 years of filmmaking, when it was finally like, oh, who's this? Oh, she's amazing. It's like, well, well right. Chocolat, you know, No Fear, No Die, I Can't Sleep, Nanette and Bonnie, U.S. Go Home. It's like, those got, those got kind of ignored... In, in, in France until Beau so it's like she's had different lives as a filmmaker I'm sorry I mean no 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 it's, 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 it's just it's 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 a fairy tale in yeah. a way yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That, that, that you know that a woman in this in, in that industry in this industry can you know means anybody can do it have a third act yeah. can and have I a, like that can she's... have a third act as their first act yeah. in a real in a way I mean people are People are noticing her, and they're gonna, and she's gonna be able to live to see people revere her in a way that, yeah, it, you and, know. And I'm trying not to cringe when I say this, but without, and this is unfortunate to her, but without being considered like the cute granny, she's kind of taken that Agnes Varda mantle, you know, right. to, to a certain degree. But at the same time, people don't look at Claire like because a lot of people, it's just like, oh, Agnes Varda, she's got the cool hair and wacky clothes. It's like, name three Agnes Varda movies. Besides Cleo there, from Five to Seven, there are a lot of people Vagabond. who love Do Agnes Varda and face places who now who don't watch her movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah. what I'm saying. They like what she represents. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Which is fine, I guess. Yeah. But at a certain point, it becomes a little pandering. And, yeah, it's and, superficial, and silly. though. It's, it's like, superficial but there are the plenty word. of French New Wave buffs who know her shit backwards and forwards, who don't pat themselves on their back for their own progressivism, yeah. Yeah. constantly talking about right. how much they love Agnes Varda. Right. 
Rick Dalton. It's my pleasure, Mr. Schwartz. Call me Miles, then. Put it there. That's your son? No, it's my stunt double, Cliff Booth. Last night, we watched a Rick Dalton double feature. <laughs> All the shooting. <laughs> I love that stuff, you know, the killing. A lot of killing. Anybody order fried sauerkraut? No, I'm the stunt man. Look at me. So you still direct, huh? Still here. You can do anything you want to him. I hired you to be an actor, Rick. Not a TV cowboy. You're better than that. Line. Cut! Embarrass yourself like that in front of all those goddamn people. All right, what's the matter, partner? It's official, old buddy. Well, it has been. Hot August night and the leaves hanging down and the grass on the ground. Here I am, flat on my ass. Who, who I got living next door to me? I'm Sharon Tate. I'm in the movie. You're in this? That's me. I play Miss Carlson, the klutz. Oh. <laughs> Charlie's gonna dig you. And that gospel group telling you In this town, I can all change like that. You're Rick fucking Dalton. Don't you forget it. We're going to talk about my number two. I'm curious. What, what is it? It's Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, man. Okay. Listen. Um, For me, it's El Primero. Is it really? Oh, yeah. nice. Well, then we, I, do you want to wait to talk about it? No, no, no. Later on, number you, one? You, you, let me tell you something. Well, I think we all, our number ones are like all like our favorite, like, or at least. It might be. Are, well, I think, I mean, I, we. I, it might be. That's I think, number well, one should be. Should be. Yeah, <laughs> that's no, true. No, right? Absolutely. No, but just the way this year worked be. out, I think, I think that's kind of cool. No, I and, I, cool. and I think that it's awesome. The, the, the thing about Quentin's movie, which, Marcus, have you seen it? I haven't. Okay, so just but but I want you I want everyone to be clear I've never like I'm not only, I haven't dissed the movie because I haven't seen it. Well, listen, it's and it's playing... not even as a film. I, I said this the last time I was here. From Reservoir Dogs to Kill Bill One, you'll never hear me talk shit about Tarantino. It's it's him. It's not his movie. I even I eventually saw um, Once Upon a Time and I actually liked it. I'm you know, it's just my issues with him. So let's hey, just so be you clear. did see it. Huh? Once Upon a Time? In Hollywood? You saw it. Oh, no. I'm sorry. Um, the Hateful Eight. God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, for me, hate, hate is a wonderful, I, beautiful thing. and In, it, in it, a it different needs, way. It needs to be nurtured and cultivated. And I feel like I, I will not try to dissuade you from, from, uh, from oh, no. disliking I him. always see is because I have to be in on the conversation. At some point, yeah. it's going to... That, that's why right. I ended up seeing Hateful That's why I ended up seeing Django. It's like... I can't like stew in anger that I don't even know is there. I have to see it eventually, okay. but, but I haven't seen it. No. So here's so I'm just to say one thing. 
the Museum of the Moving Image, which is my favorite screening room in the city. It's in my 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 part of New York in Astoria. It's part of the curator's choice. It's going to be showing uh, starting on Friday for a week-long engagement in 35 millimeters. So if you're going to see it, go see it there. Um, at Moving Image, you said? At Moving Image oh, for a week. I, I got I got a membership. I can just, no, no, I can no, just, just walk just right go. in. Just go. Okay. okay. And, <laughs> no, I gotta... I'm just saying. Now, listen. Now, I know how you feel. And I, about and, him, not about him. Because imagine him. what I do well, in even, terms of loving comparison and movie influences. How could I hate his movie? Well, no, even, no, 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 no. Even people who like his movies will concede he can be pretty fucking obnoxious. Listen, <laughs> he could be pretty fucking obnoxious. Yeah, but I remember. Now, listen. I've been with. I've been a Tarantino guy since day one. I've seen every single one of those movies. Go back to Golden Girls. Going back to Golden Girls, but I've seen what I was gonna say was I've seen every one of those movies in their first run, and that's going from Reservoir Dogs all the way on up. I saw oh, Reservoir wow. Dogs in New Haven at the CNA One Two Three Four in New Haven, Connecticut, in 1992 when it came out. Wow! And when you're younger than me, I was oh, 11. Damn, yeah, I was. But 12 I had oh, this. Wow. I mean, listen, if you go back to Wrong Real Archives, you'll hear my history about Scorsese, and it was seeing Mean Streets and knowing about Keitel at that point. And when Keitel was just having his sort of resurgence, then and that was a I, huge resurgence, and that was a that, that was huge. Was, uh, not even a resurgence. It was it was like Dumbledore and Louise Reservoir Dog, all like of all it. that shit. So I saw that then. That's awesome. Yeah. And then I knew then, as a young, precocious, overly mature 11, 12 year old, that this guy was the future of movies. Mm. And when I saw Pulp Fiction in '94 as a thirteen year old kid, same. It changed my life. Mm. And then four years later or three years later, we got Jackie Brown. And that was just something completely different. And then, of course, everything else followed. But now here we are in 2019. And I feel that he has made the best film he's made since Jackie Brown. There are sequences in this movie that and and, this, and it's the one movie that I've seen the most this year. For me as well. I keep yeah. watching it. I've, I, I saw it. I want to say I saw it once in I saw it once in Seventy of Village East. I saw it once in a story and a DCP. I saw it once in Seventy of Oh no, it was no, it was twice, and then the third time was again in Village East, and then the fourth time was at the Roxy in thirty-five millimeter, and now it's going to play in the Museum of Moving Image, and now it's already also out on Blu-ray and Ultra Four K and whatever, and I've watched it again. There's just moments in this movie that are so incredibly well-directed, well-written, thought out. It's, a, it's, it's in a way, it's what Roma was to Mexico. This is what it is to Hollywood. It's a, it's a memory piece. It's thoughtful. It's, there's a lot of heart in it. And it's got some great performances. It's got an incredibly underrated performance by Leonardo DiCaprio. Like it's funny as shit. It's funny as shit, but the it's funniest also... moment all year is him in his pool with the headphones on, going like twenty, thirty, four to fifty, and like, right. singing that song while the Manson family invades his home. He's just out there oblivious, shit faced, drinking margaritas, and uh, you know. Uh, but even like in the beginning of the movie, when he first meets Al Pacino as the as you know the agent who's going to put him in spaghetti westerns, you know, and. The performance of the underconfident actor who stutters. Like, just face it, old buddy. You know, I'm a has been. <laughs> you know, right? Or, or don't cry in front of the Mexicans. That's a great line. Right? By Brad Pitt. Which triggered half the internet. You know? Yeah. And then, but then even Brad Pitt, like 
like, you know, obviously the the last third of the movie where, you know, Quentin rewrites history, but he gives Quentin that he gives Brad Pitt that moment to play a stoner again, which he played that stoner incredibly well in True Romance, and now he's got a stoner who's been smoking some weed with some acid or cigarette yeah. with acid, and that whole reveal there, oh my god! But but for me, there's one sequence in the film that I've gone back repeatedly over and over and over, and it's really part of the only reason why I went and saw it four times in the theater, is the moment 20 minutes into the movie, when Brad Pitt gets in his car after he tells Leo that he's got to meet him at 7.15 in the morning to take him to the shoot. Out the door. Out the door. Yeah. Turns on the the ignition to his car, and Billy Stewart's summertime starts to play, and he pulls out of... You know the out of you know Rick Dalton Street and speeds down the hill through the valley. Then it cuts to Sunset Boulevard and the letter by Joe Cocker is playing. And it cuts to the 405 and we're hearing Rambling Gambling Man by Bob Seger, the early incarnation. For whatever reason, that 90 seconds of film is pure raw cinema. Pure raw cinema, and everything that's quintessential Tarantino the needle drop the whatever and it, it's just part of living within this film it's the most incredible moment of cinema all year for me well I keep doing the same thing but I keep watching a different scene it's when they're coming back from Italy and you're hearing the Rolling Stones out of time and you're, which is not my preferred version of out of time but like the they're way. picking up Brandy and this whole idea of like the 60s coming to the end and when I first saw it I thought Sharon Tate was going to get killed. And so where they're singing, baby, we're out of time. I was like, ooh, this, they're setting up the fact that right. she quite literally is out of time. The Manson family's fucking coming. And, but now I just keep watching it over and over again because it's just so much fun watching him driving around with like his new Italian bride and they're walking in a slow motion. And just right. this, this return to LA after this astonishing sequence where he's made, you know, Operation Danomite and all, all these movies oh over in Italy. So if you, love, yeah, if you love like movie posters and you love Italian cinema, like especially like genre f- f- cinema from yeah. Italy, it's a great love song to all the weird forgotten Z grade genre films that film freaks love, but the rest of the world like couldn't give a fuck less about. But they finally got their moment where you see like, Sergio Corbucci's The Mercenary, this giant poster up in a movie theater in fucking right. Brentwood and stuff like that. And so it's a love song to great forgotten genre filmmaking. There's 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 so much more. You know, I mean, even like the performance by Julia Butters, you know, as the young, precocious, um, you know, child actor. You know, that's the best acting I've ever seen. Yeah, she's hysterical. You know, she's incredible. Talking about Easy Breezy incredible. when Leonardo DiCaprio's crying and breaking down. It's like, I guess it got now, more than I thought. But now I'm going to speak I'm gonna speak for, for a generation. For I'm going to speak for the boomers. I mean, this is the revenge fantasy that the boomers got, mm, you know? No, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, sure. and the amount of dread and fear that he elicits through this entire movie leading up to this, you know, to his revisionist history. Well, Tarantino was afraid act. of hippies as a kid, so he finally got to show how scary hippies can be. And it was, you know, I mean, I could talk about this when they When they stab his tire and he's like, fix it. And yeah, If you don't like hippies, this is your Citizen Kane. <laughs> no, right. <laughs> you know, and then, even, and then even the thing with Tex in the car about... You know, and shout out to Bill Tech because this is one of Bill Tech's favorite lines. I actually recorded it to him and sent it to him in a text. But when Tex is in the car and Rick Dalton had just yelled at them, and he's like, "That was 
That was Jake Cahill. Jake Cahill. I had a Bounty Law lunchbox, and that was my favorite of all my lunchboxes. And it's like, this dude had more than one lunchbox, you know? But really, like, listen, I understand that Quentin has put his foot and his wife's foot in his mouth, you know, many, many times in the last couple of years. Pretty and much I know ever that he, since the beginning of his career. I mean, you, well, right, but I also think that his political incorrectness. Yeah, like the it's different now these days. No, I don't. No, I don't well, care about political correctness. It's just the other stuff. I think. Well, no. When, from Reservoir Dogs, like Pulp Fix, like he was, but it's like. I love Reffin. Who's more? Co- Reffin's cockier than Quentin Tarantino. Like, I love the cocky young director. Well, right. I think post Inglorious Bass is when I think certain things kind of went to his head. And I'm just speaking personally. So I, I don't mind. Well, I don't well, mind putting you, your foot in your mouth. But like, all young filmmakers have all said the craziest shit in the world. So I'm not. Well, no, right. But, but let's. But like. Let's talk about Spike Lee's problem with him that he's had with him since but, 97. And, okay. Speaking of another person who's put their. Who, no, 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 I know. This but, year put put his foot in his you know what I mean? Like, so, well, like, it's so funny that they're so different but so similar. Right. I love that about Spike Lee and Quentin Tarantino. But they is couldn't this be the more... one movie where they don't drop the N-bomb? Because like, that's one big criticism of Tarantino is that he always been very loose yeah. with that word. Sure. But this is a movie about white people. Yeah, so... I guess. Yeah, there's no... there's no. Well, no, know. but he, I mean, he makes it... But again, he, he makes the comment about Mexicans. Well, don't cry in front of the Mexicans. You know, or... But like Jackie Brown, he uses, you know, the forbidden word many, many times over, and which is something listen, that Spike I can't, Lee... I like can't Jackie defend Brown, it. I, I can't defend it anymore. But that's where Spike because... Lee's... Bitter or kind of like rivalry with him. Well, no, but, but then think, he cast him in Girl Six, so it's like I don't. Well, like, right, but and it was just the, the worst hell? movie ever made. Um, uh, it's not as bad as um. She hate me. No, no. Oh yeah. Oh, she hate me. I was about to. I was um. What was the more recent? Was oh, Chirac. Boy. Oh yes. <laughs> Chirac. <laughs> Well, You're Red right. Hook that Summer. Been the YouTube Red, Red Hook Summer. No, you didn't like Shy- that either. Fuck. Wait, well, you know no. what? I think that we, now that we're talking about Spike terrible. Lee, now that we're talking about Spike Lee, we should really take a moment. Black Klansman's not even that great, but I'll just, well, I don't want to well, rain I'm, on people's I'm, 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 I'm with That's you why it. you're a white black man. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I'm supposed to support. It's a black movie. You got it. Yeah. So I just prove I'm, I'm the white man of black people. You know, I, when, when I knew that we were going to record this episode, I wanted to start off with this, and I didn't. And now mm-hmm. that we're talking about Spike, I feel it's only appropriate that we take a moment and pause and reflect on Danny Aiello. Oh, rest in peace. Yes. That is, that's a massive loss. Yeah. Especially if you've read anything about how he died. No. Yeah. Well, then basically he just he got sick. He went into the hospital, and he he was a sudden illness, and he caught an infection in the hospital, and oh, he died. Yeah. And that was it. Twenty percent of the shit that kills you in hospitals, you get from from the hospital. hospitals, human error or just infections or whatever. Yeah. So you know, so he um, man, Danny Ayo held court at the twenty fifth anniversary screening of Do the Right Thing, where it's like it's one of those things where normally it's rude, but whether it was like Rosie Perez, John Turturro, Bill Nunn, rest in peace, Spike Lee, any audience member who asked a specific person a question Danny Aiello would just cut in and speak for them and just yeah. help and it was just the most charming thing ever I'm glad I got to see that well, and, 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 and reading you know being on like Facebook with people who work in the industry and reading their remember and even on Twitter too reading the remembrances on Danny Aiello no one had a bad thing to say about him they all talked about his gener- all they all talked about his generosity his generosity and his 
his kind heart and an underrated SNL host, by the way, too. His in '96 when he hosted Saturday Night Live, wow. that, that was an amazing, yeah, no, that great was an episode. amazing episode. But also, just yeah. the movies like Godfather yeah. Two and Once Upon a Time in America, and it's Fingers. just like, yeah, it's just like he, he plays yeah. these little bit roles. But then you look at a movie like Harlem Nights. Or fucking right. Jacob's Ladder, but it's, like, it's a list as Jacob's long as you are. But then you yeah. look at a movie, but then you look at movies like 29th Street with him and Anthony LaPaglia, or Once Around, where he plays Holly Hunter's dad who disapproves of her love affair with Richard Dreyfus, who's this older guy, this older Lithuanian guy, and they're this Italian family. Like, he really. Wait, 29th Street, the lottery? Yes. Movie? Oh my God. Yes. Oh shit. That's I used to watch great, it with my dad all the time. That's a yeah, great yeah, 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 yeah. movie. Oh, yeah. All you right, know? Yeah. So, but th- th- there's, there's a lot of that. So. Yeah. Danny Aiello. Rest in peace. Rest in peace. Absolutely. Um, But back to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I mean, for me, it's Quentin's best movie since Jackie Brown. It's if he had made that after. Yes. If he had made, if he had made Hollywood after Jackie Brown, it would have been a natural progression of just maturity. Wow. Of scope, of range. But he needed to go play in the sandbox and do a lot of genre films. And to, he to, did. To get and there. listen, he, I'm not going to take away the power loves of Kill Westerns, Bill yeah. 1 and 2. Yeah, he loves samurai movies. He loves, he loves genre, yeah. unashamedly, which is what I love is that he doesn't feel the need to apologize for liking trashy genre movies, obscure trashy genre movies. No, and likes them unironically. Yeah. Like, that's yeah. another thing, too. Being someone from the small town of Amherst, you can't never completely hate Quentin Tarantino because he made one of our hometown folks so famous. Uh, granted, she was in Dangerous Liaisons and stuff, but still, and Henry when you think of Uma Thurman, you think of Pulp Fiction. So it's like, there's always going to be that little, like, you know, she's she's one of those, like, small handful daughter, of the, the hometown pride. Her daughter's is, in yeah, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I know, yeah. I know, I know. But I, the last thing I'll say about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is that it's just... Um, Cool movie about friendship where there's this great line where he's like he talks about like what are you gonna do at the end of like a relationship with somebody who's more than a brother but less than a wife and I was like oh it's like just a very beautiful way to describe the relationship they they're as close as you can get and you're gonna get blind drunk yeah and you, you get completely fucking shit faced and it's just a, a great celebration and it's the way they watch TV like when they're watching that show FBI and like oh man that guy's a prick oh he's a good guy and there's, it just captures the way guys like watch movies together and even so, Brad well. Pitt commenting on that's a great shot yeah he's like hey, yeah, yeah, he's like, oh that was a smooth leap and he's like oh thank you buddy and it's just like just their rapport is just so fucking cool so yeah it's, I, anytime a movie has scenes and sequences where I keep either listening to the soundtrack to remember the scene or I just keep watching certain scenes over and over again. I know it's getting to me. And for me this year, those two movies were uncut gems. And once upon a time on Hollywood where I've got scenes that I can't shake. Yeah. yeah I can't shake. And like you said, it's just the simplest thing of a car speeding on sunset Boulevard to that Joe Cocker tune. For me, when I saw it in the theater every time and even watching it at home, I just get the chills and it's great filmmaking. All right. Well, we're down to, I think, numero uno. Well, oh, no, my number two is number two. Irishman, which we've, we've, we've talked about uh, nice. exhaustively. So, yeah. I haven't okay. seen it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've talked about this movie already, and, and, and I'll, I'll be quick, but uh, A Hidden Life is, is my number one. Wow. Yeah, very nice. exactly. Yeah, my and I God, think... God, I had no idea. Remember the day when we first met? I remember that motorcycle. My best dress. You looked at me, and I knew how simple life was then. What's happened to our country? 
innocent people raiding other countries, preying on the weak. If our leaders, if they're evil, what does one do? You have a duty to the fatherland. The church tells you so. You cannot say no to your race and your hope. You are a traitor. I can't swear loyalty to Hitler. I can't. Do you think your defiance will change the course of things? If God gives us free will, we're responsible for what we do, what we fail to do. I can't do what I believe is wrong. We have to stand up to evil. This is the kind of movie where it just combines that seven. It forget Thin Red Line, New World, and uh, Tree of Life. This is that rare movie where it combines the seventies, you know, Badlands and uh, Days of Heaven, with the To the Wonder song, the song and Knight of Cups. Like James had said earlier, there is a plot. I don't mind when he's plotless. Like song, I love song. Like. Knight of Cups actually has quite a plot, but like a song to song or even like a to, to the wonder. But like this is a movie that it has a plot, but it's also it's that playful Malik where it's like it, it's it kind of for some people it might be too long, but it definitely kind of like it appeases all types of Terrence Malik fans. And this movie also kind of 2019 to a certain degree made me accept certain things and just like just enjoy certain stuff. Like so, for example, this hasn't come up, but a movie like Dolomite where. Eddie Murphy was not being Rudy Ray Moore. He was being Eddie Murphy turned yep. up to 10. But I didn't mind it. Bitch, and, are you for real? And then that caused me to, like, I have my issues with, like, post-heat Al Pacino, where it's like, he wasn't Jimmy Hoffa, he was Al Pacino. But it's like, if I gave Eddie Murphy that pass, I got to give Al Pacino. It's only fair. So what I say all that to say is, you know, High Life, it's an Austrian story. And he uses German and Austrian actors, but they all speak English. And it's kind of like... I'm willing well, to accept Nazis that. Well, the Nazis speak German, yeah. but like the characters who are nice speaking. And I was just gonna say, but I was just gonna say, but 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 that I I think. So one of my I'm not gonna I don't want to. Well, no, he's he's one of my favorite f- film critics. He's a really awesome guy, Glenn Kenny. Unfortunately, Premier Magazine. He tweeted how he he I mean he put it out there, so whatever. It's like he said 30 minutes in, he had to walk out of a hidden life, and that kind of bummed me out because he also That's the best part of the movie. Me too. <laughs> he kind of he kind of championed. A lot of smaller films that I love this year, like Matthew Barney's Redoubt and, you know, whatever. But then it was one of those things where, like, Al Pacino and, you know, The Irishman, Charlie Murphy and, and Dolomite, where it's like... Eddie Murphy. Mm, oh, sorry. Eddie, rest in oh, peace, rest in peace, Charlie, Charlie Murphy. Murphy. That's the Balvenie talking. We've yeah, been, it is. We've, we've it definitely killed is. this bottle of Balvenie. But <laughs> it's like, yeah, just like what James kind of... He beat me to it, but it's just like, I almost appreciate how the Nazis in this movie are these kind of, like, almost subtitleless. German speaking folk where it's just like we we understand, you know, and let's also be real. We have to sometimes you have to sell a film and it's like you're not going to you know, if it's an all subtitled movie, it's not going to get, you know, the uh the attention that you know that it got. So I think this is 
and this is not going to be his last movie. However, if this was the last movie that, if this was the last thing he left us with, I'd be totally happy with it. It's not. He's he's already in the midst of making his next movie. But um, I saw it's a beautiful film that put me through so many emotions. Where it's just like you know. Well, I ask you this every time he makes a new movie. Rank all of Malik from top. Oh, to I, got, bottom. I have to do a re-rank. I didn't yeah, do. Uh, I, I, went, I have to do a re-ranking because we talked. This we, is high up. We there. did a Malik episode when Night of Cups came out. Yeah, like and early, a couple, in the, early in the days of uh, Wrong Real. And yeah. so I always ask you three this: three movies, Song to Song, Voyage mm-hmm. of Time, and uh, Hidden Life have come out. But um, yeah, this is. Does it upset this the rankings? Well, what is oh, very, the very ranking? Much so. very well, what much is so. what is? I don't even know your ranking right what? now. Old I Night of Cups will always be will be not my number one. Then why? It's just a why? <laughs> no, 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 no. It's, this it's, is like a whole it's other an episode. Question. I have to just it's say, not, it's not, it's not a dick question. It's I'll, an I'll just question. say, I, with, with, I'll try to be long-winded, but I think a big part, besides the fact that it's beautiful and it's shot in that Terrence Malick style that I love, that movie dispels this whole rumor about Terrence Malick being this hermit between right. uh, Days of Heaven and Thin Red Line, where it's like. He was doing. He was like he was trying to be a playwright. He's trying to direct plays. He He's trying to philosophy. get others. He t- he was trying to get a bunch of other movies made, and a lot of. And I understand a lot of people don't catch the plot in that movie. But Rick, uh, the character of Rick Christian Bale's character, he's a screenwriter and a filmmaker. And he's just trying to get these projects made. In between, you know, having relationships with all these like amazingly awesome yeah. and women, going to kick-ass cocktail parties and so. strip clubs, and yeah. But I'll I'll, I'll deal well. We live in the same neighborhood. We're going home. This I'll 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 bring well, up my right. but, but, but Night of Cups is number one. Um, I'll, I'll and it still is. But a Hidden Life definitely upsets. And I just think um, it's just a beautiful movie. Oh, and that's what I was saying too. By the third act, you have me, this uh, black person, almost like the, the the this black man who I love children and I, and I hope to have kids of my own someday. Where it's just like, God, you have a wife and th- just 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 pledge allegiance to him. Just say like no one has to know like Jesus Christ just don't go, leave your go family home behind. and jump in the hay. Yeah. But then by the end of the movie, it's like well, if your wife and you know I did a bit of research because I'm planning. It was supposed to be this year, but it'll probably be in 2020 now. But a nice long piece on a hidden life where it's just like you know what, I don't get it, but I I I respect your you know what I'm saying. So like there were so many emotions that I went you know through this movie where it's like oh this is beautiful and. Oh, you're pissing me off. It's like you could just live a beautiful life with your wife and kids. Just say it. No, it doesn't mean anything. Just say it. And it's and I almost and I find myself becoming one of the characters in the movie. Where it's like, just we'll, we'll let you go. Just just say you pledge allegiance to Hitler, and you know and it's fine. Just just say it. And it's like, he 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 stood his ground, and yeah. So hidden life is is, is my number one. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Cool. What's my number one? Let me guess. Guess. The Irishman. <laughs> If you said something else, I'd be so mad. <laughs> <laughs> well, for the sake of this us. episode, it's 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 us. For the sake of this episode, my number one is crawl. Is crawl? No, my Tarantino put crawl in the top. For the sake of this episode, I liked crawl. A lot of I, I haven't heard a bad thing about it. Yeah. Honestly, it's Quentin's number three. Yeah, I, or number two at this point. If you want to see, if you one one see the alligators Irishman. eating people, you will be delighted. No, for the sake of this episode, and for the sake of my life. My number one this year is the Rolling Thunder Review, a Bob Dylan story by Martin Scorsese. Wait, what? Another Netflix film. And the reason why I chose this is obviously 
The Irishman is my oh, number okay. one. All right, okay. Obviously. But the fact is... We've got two Scorsese movies in the same year. We've got two Scorsese movies in the same year. True. One of them is a second movie about Bob... D- a second documentary or quote-unquote documentary about Bob Dylan. That is a total movie. It's a total movie from start to finish. And it... You don't know when it's real, when it's playing a trick on you. Uh, it totally bamboozled me it's, until Tanner showed. I was like, "Wait a second, Tanner!" Which is such an <laughs> awesome, like, full circle. Because when I mentioned Mister America at the yeah. beginning of the episode, and, you and, and listen, you know, obviously I have five hundred and thirty followers on Twitter, and I've been really trying to get that Twitter thing up to a thousand. Because James first says thousand, once the you hit the, hardest. the first thousand is the hardest. Afterwards, but I will say. <laughs> That if you've been following me on Twitter all year, you know that my favorite performance of the year is Martin Von Haselberg as Van Gorp. It is one of the greatest things I've seen in movies all year is this filmmaker who's just looking for the credit. It w- I mean, listen, the, the, the performance footage of Bob Dylan, especially of him singing Isis, is incredible. And the the way that they were able to use the digital technology that he employed so well in The Irishman, he used here. It was a practice here. Well, it's fun to see uh, somebody who's almost 80 to be so playful. Usually directors get a little more serious and earnest as they get older. The fact that he's still like playing like an elaborate, like it's an, basically an elaborate internet troll kind of prank. Totally. <laughs> and, 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 and it goes back to what got me recording the podcast with you guys in the first place. He was Scorsese Martin, your Scor- first step? Scorsese, yeah. But it was also what I said to you that said, hey, come on the show. Let's do a Scorsese episode. He is our greatest living filmmaker. He continues to take chances. He doesn't rest on his laurels. He takes risks. He does things. You know, yeah, you hear that he's going to do a Bob Dylan documentary about the Rolling Thunder but he doesn't think Marvel he, movies are cinema, so we have to cancel them. Well, you know, well... <laughs> You know what? It took it took three hours for us to bring that point up. And you know what? He was misinterpreted. He's an old guy who said something that he shouldn't have said. He still refers to no, movies. No, 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 no. He should he have still, said what he said. No, 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 no. He still no, no. refers to movies. And it also shows how... how but how, he still refers to movies as pictures. Yeah, and so sure. by him referring to movies as pictures and him saying something isn't cinema wasn't him denigrating the art form he went back and said listen i understand the artistic value that these people put into their work. for him it was audie murphy westerns like there's always an equivalent of marvel he, he wasn't just, but he trying liked, to he liked insult anybody and, yeah. and i know there are a lot of people who felt that he was trying to insult a genre of movies that they love and it wasn't about which shows that. how weak those like some of the directors have said some of the mean, intentionally meanest things ever. It was a slip. And they got their feelings hurt for that. And it's also like, if you took a step back for a second and go, if you really, I can count on one. I've seen, I've, there's three Marvel movies I have not seen in the theater. Other than that, I've seen them all in the theater. You know what I'm saying? Right. And it's like, you won. It's like I tweeted the other day. It's like, you won. Just let it go. It's like, <laughs> well, no, no, but, exactly. Well, and right. it's also like, how much do you care about, forget text, like King of, like a director who I hate assuming for people, but a director that you probably don't even, didn't even care too much about said this about you. Like, think about like the actual bullies or jocks who fucked with you when you were younger because you like comic book. Martin Scorsese was an asthmatic 
who couldn't do sports and go outside, and that's how he discovered and well, loved movies. You're giving movies. way too much you're, credit for their intelligence or their knowledge of history. Yeah, The people true, that got upset, true, 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 they true, live true. in the moment, and they know zero you're right, you're about right. film history. You're right, you're and, and, right. and, and, and Marty's biggest problem with the Marvel movie isn't that it's not cinema. It's that it's overtaken the theatrical experience, and that there's young filmmakers who are never going to have the opportunity to have their movies shown in a movie theater in front of people. Although we brought up a lot of movies during this podcast that disprove that, that show that there's still a light at the end of the tunnel for people who love movies. Absolutely. But for a guy like him... Where the movie theater was his refuge, was his, his, his was his, his church, his cathedral. You yeah. know, it, it, you know, yeah. it's it's widescreen, Technicolor, cinema. It's a Western. disappointment. Yeah. You know, so but back to my number one pick. Which, he lived through the fucking eighties. He can't be that disappointed with how like he's seen the ebb and flow and change in cinema. And I feel like for someone who made their name in the seventies, the eighties must have been a fucking horror story because it was just a, well, a right. totally different era. Well, look at what happened to him in the eighties. I mean, talk about people getting canceled now. He was canceled in nineteen eighty eight for making the Last Temptation of Christ, and you know what? He survived that. So you know what? He can say whatever the fuck exactly. he wants. He's earned the right to say whatever he pleases. But back to Bob Dylan. The fact that Bob allowed, or or, 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 yeah, the fact that Bob allowed a movie like this that completely, you know, just speaks to the testament of filmmaking, speaks to the testament of Bob, speaks to the testament of, of, of taking a risk, taking a chance, and that's what movies are supposed to do. And you know what? I love The Irishman, and there's a lot of great things about it, but you know what? If The Irishman didn't come out, I'd probably still be sitting here saying that Rolling Thunder Review was my favorite movie of the year. So that's my what do you say to those people? Like one of his big criticisms about Marvel was the lack of risk. And some people said, well, how dare you say that after you just made a gangster epic, you're retreading familiar ground. I don't agree with that criticism, but yeah, exactly. how would, how would you respond to those people who would well, there's he a to- did the inverse? Oh, sorry. You, no, no, no. Well, there, there, but there's, but there's a total right. risk and the total risk of that movie is the last hour. Yes. But, exactly. the, but also the total risk is every single time that a title card shows up in the Irishman, it talks about how someone got killed and he's trying to hammer into people's heads who have think that he's glorified this kind of lifestyle for years and years and years that Thank you. this is yeah. no fucking joke. Thank you. Also, art yeah. can say two things at the same time. Yeah. You can yeah, make exactly. it exciting yeah. Yeah. and yeah. condemn all at once. There are a lot of people who are very binary and think it has to be this or that. Art can t- say a lot of things simultaneously, and I feel like if you only see Goodfellas glorifying violent violence, then you- it's a very superficial read of the film. And you know what? People want to sit there and be like, well, Marty only makes gangster movies. It's cool. the, that's the dumbest. Clearly ever, haven't right? seen The Last Waltz. Or Alice Doesn't Live Here Anymore. Or the majority even, of his filmography. Or the majority or of his filmography. King of Comedy or you know, fucking and, and, Color and, of Money. And, and, or and I, think, I think it stems from, and I, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm not trying to sound like an SJW, but there's this subconscious social justice warrior. Oh, okay. There's this subconscious <laughs> thing. I don't, thing. I don't I think know. people realize that a lot of times they, they're, they're not realizing how bigoted they are when they... I've, I think I've said this to you before where it's like they just see Italian-American names associated with a movie and go, oh, it's a mobster movie. It's like, no... Taxi Driver or King of Comedy or Alice Doesn't Live Here anymore. Like, Even Raging Bull. Raging Bull, the gangsters in it, but it's not a gangster and, and there's a little bit of mafia stuff like, to the side, but it's like, I think you just get these like typical Italian-American last names and assume it's like mob stuff, and it's like, jokes on you. You're the one who's being yep. bigoted and and It's a whole crowd of people up, who, know? in the name of tolerance and acceptance, are being horribly intolerant and lacking yeah. in acceptance. Like they, yeah. they, sh- they shriek about empathy, and yet, if somebody disagrees with them about anything... 
they have the least amount of empathy of any human beings who've ever walked or crawled, which is why I feel like 2019 is a wonderful opportunity for people who have taste, integrity, a sense of humor, because these it's this giant group of people who've created an opportunity for people, whether you're an internet commentator or a filmmaker, or whatever, to just be normal and funny and open-minded because they've created this environment where just being normal is like this, like this giant risk, like you're like leaping off a cliff and it's like, I feel like their 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 moment is drawing to a close, and that the 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 tide is turning against them. At least when it comes to film culture, right? Well, and going back to the idea about you know he only makes movies about the mafia. This movie's not about the mafia or the Irishman. It's not about the Wolf mafia. of Wall Street. It's about fucking Wall Street. It's about organized <laughs> it's in the title crime. Of the movie. <laughs> yeah. But it's about organized crime. It's not so much about the quote unquote mob, you know. And also, the Irishman's about America. It's about people in, you know, about politics. It's about yeah. the intersection of business and politics. Yeah. And, and it's about so much more than just the quote unquote family. mafia and about regret and about betrayal and what the cost of betrayal is. But if you do the math, Anna Paquin doesn't have as many lines as her male co stars. <sighs> well, you so, know what? Yeah, if you want to hear we Anna Paquin, you want to hear Anna <laughs> yeah. Paquin talk? Go see Margaret. Which All she does shows, is wait, talk a mile of fucking And they probably minute. haven't. The same people that complain about exactly. her and Irishman really haven't seen Margaret. $600,000 upon yeah. its initial release. Mm -hmm. You know? And, and so the, you want to The people that complain the most do the least amount of homework, which is why I agree. I, I oh, just, I learned that more I, and more I, every I just day. Don't, I just don't worry and about it. And you know what? Anna Paquin in, in The Irishman is one of the best performances in the entire movie. Because you could convey so much with your eyes. Didn't Samantha Morton win a fucking Oscar for a part where she's a mute? Yes. No, exactly. she was nominated. Yes. She was but nominated, nominated, but whatever. It's the same whatever. Thing. whatever. But it was a, no, it's funny. Oh, I read a great tweet about about uh, Anna Paquin and the piano. It's like, oh, you kept your mouth shut during the Irishman, but you could keep your mouth shut about your mother played by Holly Hunter in the piano. You got yeah. her fucking finger chopped off. She should have taken that finger and thrown it back at you in the Irishman. <laughs> That's hilarious. So... Listen, yeah. you know, but bottom line is, you know, it's funny. A lot of the movies that we mentioned here tonight, I don't want to beat a dead horse, but a lot of the movies that we mentioned here tonight had the involvement of Mr. Scorsese, be yes. it, be it, the, you know, the two films that he directed or the souvenir or uncut gems or even Joker, which a lot of people talk about how it's a big old Scorsese rip, which in a way it is. But he had a lot it's to an, do. An homage. He, it's well, it's a rip. But it, he had a lot to do with the development. He, he ended up and running. He was, and he was and he was a champion of that movie. Even now, where there's been its detractors or whatever, he thought it was one of the better scripts that he's read in the last ten years. And that's saying a lot coming from this guy. You know, I, you know, a lot of people are going well, to listen to this. It's got to be flattering when somebody's like, you know, what I'm going to take. Uh, like an artistic masterpiece that didn't necessarily make a lot of money back in the 70s and a flop that you made I'm going to do a rip and I'm going to turn it into a billion dollar movie it's almost like well it took maybe 40 years for people to kind of embrace well, right. Taxi Driver and King of Comedy I will and now it's a giant hit though I didn't talk about Joker while you were talking about it I will say I thought Robert De Niro was fucking corny in that movie he was flat yeah he was really flat and but the scene at the end right before he gets his brains blown out was a very exciting scene sure but I just it, it, you know what? he was I, miscast right and I wish that the character that he played a was Rupert Pupkin. Yeah, that would have been B, hysterical. More like Rupert Pupkin. <laughs> yeah. Also, which but, he was not. Right before Joker came out, I rewatched King of Comedy, and no matter how many times I watch it, I, I know it's a cliche, but every time I watch it, it's it a little funnier. It makes me yeah. laugh a little harder. Yeah, it does. It, it's, it's, and it's also a little bit more disturbing. I mean, especially for you know being around the celebrity culture. I mean, it's 
It's it's pretty accurate. So Jerry and I have a real relationship. I mean, I mean, it's just everything about it is. is yeah. I can't tell you how many people like that I've met. Well, think that they as have we a draw this episode to a close, I'm gonna give all y'all. Well, you didn't do your number one. What's your number oh, my number one? Is uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, yeah. which we've we've talked about. Now why? Nostril. Now why is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood your number one over, say, like The Irishman? Uh, because for me, movies ideally are a little bit like sex or like a rock concert with like this overwhelming like sensory experience where you can't even really verbally articulate what's so amazing but you're just giving yourself over to an experience and while the Irishman I was enthralled by the acting and the writing and just the overall structure and just the ambition there weren't specific scenes that carried me away like on a magic carpet the way that there were certain scenes in Once Upon a Time on Hollywood did and right. so I just was able to give myself over to it where I'm not thinking about it analytically or objectively or anything like that I'm just in the moment, and so that was the movie that gave me those those sensations. Nice, nice. nice. Yeah. Well, Marcus, yeah. that means you should really take the opportunity. To I see will. It always has. There's never. There is not a Quintana movie I haven't seen. But I, I do have to comment again how just like everyone's number one was like their favorite filmmaker. Like I don't yeah. know if I don't know if this will work out. It means we're biased. Anytime <laughs> so. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. I know. I, I do want to well, say one. Well, no, there is a. I mean, listen. I mean. I, I don't know. I but can't... I think we've all been valid. If you take out, if you take our opinions out of the equation, I think each of our number ones have been validated enough where we could be like, no, I'm not going to do the whole like biased jury prize nonsense. Like this is my number one this year, and it's right. like even my number two was Claire Denis. So it's like literally. My two favorite filmmakers in the world were my one. It means it's a good year for so movies think, when yeah, your favorite exactly. filmmakers are doing good work. Exactly. Like people are always talking about the death of cinema or movies. They don't make good movies no, anymore. No, no, There's like, no way a whole year is going to happen. It's like you do your homework and yeah. actually follow films. And this year had so many green shoots that had me very excited about the the the, the art of the moving image. So, yeah. which were, before we go, I just as a, as an honorable mention because other honorable mentions. No, are I was going to say we, before we, we wrap up, up, I wanted oh. to get one massive honorable mention because. It was like cutting off my own fingers trying to yeah. narrow it down. So I wanted to bring up on this show with you specifically, Shazam. I feel like <laughs> that is a. a I feel like I'm alone. Choice. <laughs> I love that movie, but I and, and I understand this the was sequel, the sequel's year, coming. You're not alone. This was the year of Marvel and Joker, so naturally something like Shazam's gonna. But it's like, am I crazy? Did I like this movie too much? I feel like you of of, of anyone that I podcast with would truly understand that movie more than most folks I know. Like, am I wrong in liking that movie as much as I did? I mean, I would never, you can't argue with an emotion. So it's like, but I mean, as someone who knows cinema and comics, where it's like, I mostly only know cinema. Like, what did, did you like that movie? I, I, I certainly oh, no. enjoyed it, but oh, okay. it was, um, I, I've just, I, I, I watch probably too many superhero movies. And at this point sure. I'm, I'm over family friendly, clean PG-13 entertainment. I, I want to see blue penises and I want to see, you know, but do you think people you getting their get brains that enough? Up. Even the Marvel PG-13 movies, there's like a more seriousness to it. Like this was the most lighthearted movie. It's big, yeah. It's big, movie. Yeah, it's Penny Marshall territory. Yeah, and I, it's definitely, yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. And you did, oh, I did a really cool side by side where Zachary Levy's like knocking on the door. Oh, he's knocking on the window compared when uh, Tom Hanks is like, it's, it's me, Josh. Like, um, Okay, I don't know. I feel like certain people I look to a little bit of validation. I feel like a movie like Shazam. I, I you of anyone I wanted to know. I guess because I, I've read a lot of uh, comics with the character where they really lean heavily into all the crazy supernatural stuff and all like the sorcery and like it has the potential to get much more mythic. And I feel like there was um 
they, they took it in a different direction, which is you know, oh. more power to them because they made okay. money. They're making a sequel. I hope that when they introduce Black Adam, they will go the, Which, yeah. a yeah, little yeah, bit yeah. more of the mythic route. Because, Shout out to The Rock. Yeah, because Black yeah. Adam is a fucking fascinating character. He's, also, he's one of the best anti-heroes in all of DC, and I'm hoping they'll just hit a fucking home run. But once again, they like that lighthearted tone, so perhaps they, they, they won't do it. So, well, and and I, he I, will I just, be in the same... This is the same universe as Justice League and all that. Oh yeah, stuff. absolutely. Yeah. Okay, Although, but okay. now with Warner Brothers is kind of like whether or not we do a shared universe or not. We're just trying to make the best movies we can. Yeah. It's hard to do a shared universe, and um, yeah, I guess. But my favorite superhero experience of the year though was uh, was Watchmen. So okay. Oh yeah. Well, I'm I'm not mad at that. I enjoyed that yeah. show. Any uh, honorable I, mention? Uh, yeah, honorable mention. Ring a ling dong and dolomite. (laughs) (laughs) Well, am I being a nerd by complaining about the fact that they basically rewrote history and had the human tornado? Most of the funniest scenes are shooting are human tornado scenes. It's like fuck you, like just say it's the human tornado. Yeah, and that I found really annoying that they didn't concede that they were actually pillaging scenes. I I struggled with that movie a lot because, like I said earlier. Rudy Ray Moore, he was being Eddie Murphy. He wasn't acting as Rudy Ray Moore. And any movie in the 70s, it's like, all right, we get it with the wigs and the afro. Not everybody had an afro. Jesus Christ. But <laughs> I'm not going to lie and say I they didn't did. sit in the th- and like laugh out loud a couple of times. The so first third is the I think juiciest. There's, yeah. I think there's something to be said. I'm not going to completely dismiss it. So I struggled with that movie a little bit, but I did enjoy I did have I was a also time. annoyed that they tried to make him seem a little bit like a fool on the set, like the disaster artist. Like, no, he's not Tommy Wiseau. He's way better than Tommy Wiseau. He's a funny fucking successful comedian. You're making him like the, like the butt of the joke, and that I found very annoying. Well, that's a whole other thing, whether it's uh, Badass, the documentary, well, uh, the, 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 the bio too. about Bad, or, or, or um, the disaster artist. It, it also became a little form, formulaic where it's like, you're more concerned with like getting that exact shot, ex- spoken by the side by side guy, where it's just like you're trying to make it look exact versus like trying to really capture the the era. So I I, I get what you're saying. But everybody should watch Human Tornado because yeah. you will laugh your genitalia right yeah. off your body. Yeah. Yeah. No. I... There's a lot of bare butts of men. <laughs> just you know, as a heads up, who haven't seen it, but otherwise, it, and yeah, the it's a girl really who shows full frontal nudity for the cover of that album was like, it's like what, something about eating out, or is it better to eat yeah. out? What, what's yeah. the name of the comedy album? Anyway, is it she, called Eating Out? I thought it was like eating, out. eating so, yeah. out. When she drops her robe, I was like, all right, thank you. That's like maybe <laughs> the best full frontal shot of the year. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, he was surrounded by like filth and like nudity and all that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So but yeah, we'll I thought the movie should have been filthier, but that moment yeah. was at least pretty filthy. Yeah, no, 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 no. I mean, listen, Dolomite is Edward too. Badass. Or another another movie. Which is written all by Lyric Larry and Scott. I mean, yeah. it's you know which it's funny. I've noticed They've on, got their routine down at this point. Or they've got their routine down at this point, but it also seems like if you if you follow them on Twitter at all and through like this whole publicity thing, it's like they wrote the movie, but it seems like they directed it too because they're the ones I that agree. are presenting it everywhere. Yeah, you, and Craig, Craig Brewer is quiet. like fucking nowhere. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he is. You yeah, know, is. so it's kind of like, okay, so let's just like praise, you know, these two guys for writing the same biopic over and over they, and over and over now. again. Sure. Sure. You know, and no disrespect, guys. Well, I just hope like, people will actually watch some Rudy Ray Moore movies as a result. And if that happens, yeah. that's a win. Yeah. You know, but because yeah. he is funny again, as fucking no shit. No disrespect, guys. I love People versus Larry Flint. That's a great movie. And you guys certainly have a formula down that works. And Dolomite, for whatever criticisms you might have against it, it works. It's funny. Yeah, Eddie's not playing Rudy Ray Moore. He's playing Eddie. But oh, well, it's nice to see Eddie doing something good. 
Sure. Or decent, yeah, rather. He's not a fucking donkey in a Shrek movie. You know? Right. Even though he's great Which was, in the, the first, first one. The first one was fine, great. but then after two, three, yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, So, I mean, you know, that's cool, but, you know, we'll see what happens next. Yeah. Indeed. But well, he claims he's coming back to stand-up. But he's got well, apo- to stop apologizing for the funny jokes he told 30 years ago. It's like... People loved your stand-up. Like, don't make people feel guilty listen, for laughing at your funny show. Listen, yeah. delirious. We're about to, I feel like we're about to wrap this up. Yeah, we shouldn't get started. No, delirious is the greatest uh, goddamn uh, stand-up honorable of all time. mention from Mr. Cotto. Yeah. Well, you get one honorable oh, mention. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. oh, no, my honorable mention was totally Ring-a-Ling-Dong. Like, that moment when, oh, between him okay. and Snoop Dogg, I yeah. mean, that's, okay. you know, when he replays Ring-a-Ling-Dong. Other than that, I mean... So no love for Beach Bum. I was expecting a little Beach Bum love at Beach some Bum would have been if... Like, so, yeah, like... Shazam, Beach Bum, uh, this Matthew Barney film Redoubt, uh, The Mountain by Rick Alverson. Like I have, I have a quick little list of honorable mentions. My so, honorable so mention my... is Under the Silver Lake, which really? is I think is half a terrible movie, and half a really like. There's a fine tradition of weird fake comedy film noir LA yeah, noir. movies. Whether you're talking about Long Goodbye or Big Lebowski Inherent or Karen Vice, and this is one of those movies. But it's got a love of comic books, and it's got a love of you know film noir from the '40s. It's got a love of all these wonderful things. It's got great sexuality, great comedy, yeah, and so does. on. And then half the time you're like, does this director just smoke too much pot? Like he seems like incoherent or unable to stick the landing, and he's unable to follow like the own internal logic of his movies. And I feel like the same thing happened, and it follows. But there are scenes in Under the Silver Lake where I was like, <laughs> I get why this movie was a huge flop, and A24 basically just abandoned it. But it's got some wonderful things in it as well. Sure. Nice. Any final right. words on anything from this year that hasn't been discussed, celebrated, yeah. mentioned, etc.? Now's the t- time for f- final statements about. I'll say this one more time. I feel like this is at least of the decade. This is my last uh, appearance of, of of 2019. So I'll say this. I think I mentioned this uh, on the Irish epi- Irishman episode, maybe. But the two guys in this room right now, Rob Cotto and James, and also another guy who who's brought up a couple times, Bill Scurry. Not that I didn't expect you, but it was nice. I was so in a fog when my mother passed away that, like, on the day of her funeral, to see all three of you guys show up at my mom's funeral. And you you have all met her. It was just kind of like a special moment. So, I, you know. And, and I'm not even saying this to bring the mood down. It's like a celebration of life. I appreciated seeing you Well, I'm you just glad there, I got so. to hang with her a little bit. I got, hung out with her at your birthday party, and she yeah. fed us, and we had a, a great hang time. And I got to yeah. talk with your dad a bit about you as a kid. Oh, that was a few going, years ago. Yeah, yeah, and going yeah, to wrestling, yeah, yeah. that sort of thing. Oh, yeah, 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 and yeah. I ended up getting a hot date out of the experience as well. So, yeah. That oh, was, that was my housewarming from years ago. Oh, yeah. We yeah, didn't that, talk that, about that. that. Well, we'll talk yeah. about that off. Yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we will. Yeah, we will. Yeah, that was that. That was that. Oh, well, that was, yeah. a, that was a, a fun well, party. We should dedicate this. We should dedicate this episode to your mom then. Oh, okay. To Paulette. Cool. Fair enough. That's cool. With the the host yeah. of the show. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's so. been the the. I mean, the, I've been podcasting now for five years and made a lot of friends through the experience and seeing that circle of friends grow and watching people work together. It's just been a very very cool five year chunk of time, and it yeah. kind of I just kind of stumbled into podcasting blindly. But some of the richest, most interesting experiences I've had in my life have been a result of this podcasting community we've community we've helped develop. And no matter what, I can always say it's like my debut appearance on Wrong Real was about Guy Madden. It's Fuck like yeah, we need to do another all Guy the Madden. stuff, all <laughs> the stuff that like, which which says a lot of things. All the stuff that's covered on this podcast, it's like you dedicated a whole episode. Not it's not even so much like you dedicated to Guy Madden to like at the time someone you didn't even know 
who loved guy just like a stranger to you essentially and like you know so I love that it's like yeah you and I had never met face to face we talked on Twitter here and there yeah but I'd seen you talking about him and I was like well we should do a guy match so I just kind of showed up yeah. at your place and we we just jumped right into yeah. it yeah, yeah was, my old was, music studio in Bushwick yeah. wow wow RIP. yeah you know um since we're gonna be all sentimental I mean. I've known Marcus for almost 15 years now, and we actually Over. met. 2004. Yeah, and we met in Connecticut when he was working at a video store that I used to work at. And then I moved back to New York, and then six months later, I saw him outside the IFC Center at midnight. So we, we were getting ready to go in. private Idaho or... No, we didn't. Well, that we was didn't. before. It, that, that was, it, it wasn't it was, even a fight. It was just one of those. It was such a which no, and those we, kind of relationships I appreciate. Like just so you know, whether it's like like close personal friends outside of this, whether it's like Leanne, John and Chris of the Pink Smoke, Rob, there's like a base level of like we appreciate some of the same movies, but we couldn't disagree more on certain movies. And I remember, like I was getting to know Rob when I was working at the video store, and it's like, oh, we love Cassavetes, we love Scorsese, and I was like, oh, I just assume he likes everything I like, and I was like, hey, my own private Idaho is coming to Criterion. He's like, I hate that movie, and I was like, what? Oh, what? That was like the first time we had disagreed. I was like, oh, you dislike, oh, I don't know yeah. how to accept it. But then it's like, oh, Should I appreciate that. Should have canceled each other then and there. Right, no, yeah. right. But it wasn't really, I mean, like I said, we, we and, and it's a very, you know, hetero love story. Oh, of in course, a way. of course. <laughs> but like. When I met we, your, your mom and dad at your wedding, it was like, I had known them forever. You well, know what I'm saying? Like your dad anyway. associated, like. First name basis right away, like when I had first well, met right. him. So. But I mean, yeah. but when we, but when I bumped into him outside the IFC Center, seeing Taxi, Taxi Driver, Driver on of the, all movies, of all movies, but seeing it on the big screen for the first time, and there he was. I mean, we've been really close ever since. Yeah. So I mean, I, I'm and I I'm and I tell everybody all the time how thankful I am. It's like a Hawksian love yeah. affair between. But two I'm men. thankful for exactly. Marcus because yeah. if it wasn't for Marcus. Dragging me to videoology and doing the Twitter, the, the, the doing the trivia because he thought that we would, you know, whatever. <laughs> and we did, and we I did. Up, yeah. I, and, and listen, we he'll tell you it. too. And I got to see you sing to a room of angry people who hate you. Oh God! And they still hate me though. I run into what's his face all the time. Don't say his name. No, 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 no. Um, it's, 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 it's a total compliment because he's always really nice to Ooh, me. Who, Kevin? Yeah. Oh yeah, I just I, saw him at. Th- was, this is Kevin Cecil, not Kevin Marr, but I saw Kevin. Kevin, At the most recent Kevin Geeks Out uh, a couple of weeks ago. I saw Kevin yesterday. Ago. He didn't see me, but I saw him. I keep bumping into him in all the movies. I saw him in Uncut Gems yesterday. He's the, another late period Malik fan. With the like, dude with, like, the like, beard, like with the red hair and the red beard and his boy that they were on the, the team. I don't know his name, but right. either way. Yeah, Ke- Kevin's a good dude. But He's a great guy. If it wasn't for... Mar- Listen, Marcos will tell you, I'm the first one to bail on anything. Like, I won't, you know... <laughs> oh, I'll make plans, and I'll, yeah, I don't feel like going, but I, I stuck with the trivia thing, and if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't yeah. have gotten to really hang out with you. I wouldn't... And at, through that point, I wouldn't be hanging out with Bill yeah, Tech. Team, it was the three of us and Carlo, and we had one other person. Who was on our team that night? It was night? Entume. It was Entume. No, 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 it wasn't Carlo. No, it was Funderburg. No, the only time I was there. It was Funderburg and Entume. No, you came, no, you I came, came I, the first time and you, you had to leave. the first time you and came you to hold on a spot. Gotcha. The, the, the other time was Carlo. The time yeah, I competed, Carlo. it was yeah. Carlo. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 You know, so, I mean, again. And Carlo's been on the podcast a million times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But again. I, I've said it before. I'll say it again. If it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be in the position I'm in now with BT. Which is awesome. Who's one of the greatest human? Bill Tech's one of the greatest human. You know, and again, I, I love Tech, I love ever. pushing his movie. I was not a Bogdanovich fan, but if you haven't seen One Day since yesterday, you really should take 
an hour and 40 minutes and download oh, of and course. watch that movie. It's a really I got, I got an document. email from Jeremy Workman the other day saying that like oh, I that, saw him the other that night they all laughed was one of the worst movies he'd ever seen. And like, how dare I celebrate it in my little short? And I was like, well, I don't know what to say. I, I got to tell it. you, <laughs> I got to tell you. And I've said it and I said it to Bill. I picked up, they all laughed in a bargain bin on 14th street because it had, it's out of print. You can't even find the fucking yeah, thing. I picked it up for $5 in a bargain bin because Ben Gazar was on the cover and there was a bonus feature with Wes Anderson interviewing Boggy on the back. And I was like, you know what? If Wes is doing this, I'll check it out. And it's my favorite Bogdanovich movie. Yeah, it's my and favorite it, as well. And it was before I even met you guys. Well, met you or met Bill or whatever. And the fact that that his documentary is centered around that. It's 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 a great film. And I'm not saying this because he's one of my closest friends at this point and someone that I'm working with. It really is. It really paints a picture of Peter in a way that someone who 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 takes a you know look at him and wants to judge him superficially like I did you know with that bandana around his neck it's an ascot yeah it's an ascot oh no <laughs> he he said something i have it in an email he's like it's not an ascot it's a blah 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 oh gotcha. <laughs> whatever it is it's a yeah <laughs> <laughs> Listen, folks, it's a great movie. I guess you as you get older and your out. neck starts to look funky, it's a good thing to have. They kind of like, like everybody gets the turkey gobble neck, and so he doesn't have to worry about people seeing his turkey gobble. And you know what? And, and it, it forced me to reevaluate Peter's work, which I did. And I really admire a lot of the things that he did in the 70s. Well, shout out to BT. So I got to get him on the podcast again soon. And I'm looking forward to making another short with him. Yeah. Awesome. Movies to find New York. Which part is a, two. Which, which is I need to get both of y'all in the next time we roll cameras. I'm yeah, we, done. Say no, it's done. Yeah, no, it's right. Done. What movie do we want to do? Hmm. Let me, let me yeah, think no, about we'll, it off camera. We'll, we'll this, <laughs> like, t- this is like New York yeah. stuff, right? It's yeah, New York. So my it's mind be is New York. going a million yeah, yeah. different. Yeah. All right. I really wish that I could be like, like we could do like a Carlitos Way thing where we're in Grand Central and I'm riding down the escalator and like my leather jacket. I'll grow my beard out. I was because I was I, I immediately be I was gonna Carlito. say because we were talking about Charlie Murphy as a child. Charlie Murphy was in The Landlord, but it's like I don't want to go to Brownsville. But, let's, yeah, but wait anyway, a Charlie but Murphy was in The Landlord. As there's a, a scene. Kid? There's a scene where these two kids are stealing <laughs> Bo Bridges' hubcaps. He's one. Charlie Murphy is one up. of the two. It's yeah. So he was in kids. a movie before Eddie Murphy. Yes. As a kid, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. like Daniel Day Lewis being in Sunday this Bloody was, Sunday. This was when the Murphys were in Brooklyn. This was before they, when they went to Long Island when they were wow. in Brooklyn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did not. He know said that. this a million times in, in in interviews. Yeah, yeah. He's the master of the Chicago Ridge Hand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know you want to wrap up, but I mean, do we want to talk about any like the best movies of the decade? If you want to, well, that's a whole. Oh, I, don't I, know I, if I, I worry that, that can of worms might keep Bill here that. for another yeah. hour. So what? I don't care. But, I got no but you can. You can no, I gotta. But if you yeah. want to, if you want to pick one, I, 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 I won't stop you. What's the best movie of the decade? Oh, I can't just pick one. Post and Ebra Slugs. You already know mine. Well, Post, I know you're well. Yeah, PTO. I mean, I have a whole list. I'll just run through them really quickly. <laughs> uh, well, I prepared. I mean, you know. Honestly, real briefly, I don't have a single one picked, so I will give real briefly. I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna give you the Cotto top ten. <laughs> of 2010s. Okay, you ready, folks? Yeah. You ready? In no particular order. Shame by Steve McQueen. Marcus Penn pick from the word go. Yeah. Michael Fassbender's performance, probably the best performance I, I of the decade. I, I went on a date to see that. Did you get late after? I did. Wonderful. Um, did I say that? You said that. Wonderful. Wonderful. <laughs> um, real quick, we'll just breeze right through them. Number two is silence. Number three is the separation. 
Number four, The Great Beauty. Number five, Kenneth Lonergan's Margaret. Number six, The Master. Yes, I picked The Master over Inherent Vice and Phantom Thread for whatever reason. I don't know. It's probably my 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 tip, my hat tip to Philip Seymour Hoffman, who's no longer with us. Oh, oh. Yeah. <laughs> Um, number seven, Cold War, which it's funny. It wasn't my best picture of last year, but it's, it's grown on you. But it, well, not even that. It was my number three last year, but we didn't do that episode. But for whatever dying reason, dying Ebola. Yeah, I know you were dead. Uh, but it was. It's one of those movies that I just. It, it, it was the most. It was the most artful, I think. But it was also it had some of the most incredible sequences of any movie yeah, that I saw last year. It, it rocked. I loved it. You know. Um, Searching for Sugar Man. Oh, I love that movie. <sighs> Great film. Uh, yeah, I, I'd never heard his music, but I downloaded a bunch of his tunes. No afterwards. one did, and yeah. it was actually Neil. Incredible who, musician. Neil, who who went to see it and said, hey, um, go buy me the Searching for Sugar Man soundtrack and listen to it before you... Yeah. Oh, I wonder... Yeah, such a great tune. No, it's unbelievable. But he Neil was like, I went and saw this movie... Go buy me the CD and listen to it first and tell me what you think. And I threw it on, and I was like, oh, my God. That'll make you shit your pants. Yeah. And then I went and saw the movie, and then the movie just blew my world apart. Um, if you haven't seen and then the dude wound up, the guy that directed the movie wound up killing himself. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I don't know. So, yeah, no, he had some real hardcore depression and wound up just, he was done. Um, <laughs> number nine, Midnight in Paris. I wow. mean, hat tip to Woody Allen. I mean, he took that idea from an old stand-up comedy set that he had, and, uh, you know, it's called The Lost Generation. If you don't know The Lost Generation, go listen to that. You'll laugh your ass off, but you'll hear the genesis of Midnight in Paris. And um, it's a great, great movie. Uh, I'm hoping that... It's still his biggest hit. It's still his Is biggest it? hit. Oh, wow. even, before even, that, it was, that was in my top ten of that Hannah year. and her sisters was his biggest box office smash before that, but then Midnight in Paris grossed over a hundred. And then even wow. adjusted for inflation, I believe that Midnight in Paris is still the biggest hit. And then um, my number ten is Behind the Candelabra. Wow. Okay. I mean, talk about a you know, and even though it premiered on HBO, it did. That's play. fantastic. Though. I, I, it I, played in London on the big screen. It played in London yeah. everywhere else. And I think Matthias Van Der Roos, Jacob Rivera, and I did a uh, Soderbergh episode. Where we tackled his entire fucking career. Whoa. But I, I was giving the, a big shout out to Behind the Candle. No, that that, that, is, that that was the most homework of any episode that I've ever done. I'll, I'll say I I I do have I won't go into the description. I have a I have a ten of the decade. I'll just list them instead of but, this is and this is in order. I'll, but I'll yeah, say but 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 the, but, but oh, in terms oh. of that movie. I mean, yeah, Michael Douglas has, you know, the great showy Liberace performance, but Matt Damon. Matt Damon. Matt Damon is unbelievable. And Richard LeGravenet's screenplay yeah. is one of the best screenplays of the last decade. So that's my feeling. You should see all those movies if you haven't, or if you have, rewatch them. But my, whatever. My, my top 10 from, from top to bottom, from bottom to top, rather. Toy Story 3, Drive. Tabloid, Entertainment, Alps, Tree of Life, Upstream Color, Holy Motors, Uncle Boon Me, and Post Nervous Lux. I'm shocked that Tree of Life That's isn't your time. number one. Over Post Nervous Lux? Or Uncle, yeah. Uncle Boon Me is well, kidney transplants no, and all that stuff. No, uh, no, no, no. That's how I got you and Kessler together on Wrong Wheel. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Discussed yeah. those two movies. So, I kept, it's I kept, still in my top five. I kept seeing you, both of you guys, talk about those over and over again, and I had never seen either of them. So I was like, well, clearly I've got to bring these two guys together. And on then a they did a QA. 
Carlos Regades and um, Apichapong were receptacle did a Q&A that was curated by Bellatar. Nice. And right away, I like texted Martin. I was like, have you seen? And of course he did. And I was like, this is literally like like our friendship. Yeah, he's your brother in, from in, another. In, 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 yeah. in a picture. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, and, and shout out to Martin Kessler. He is, well, he was my other silence, silence champion uh, yeah, from the word go. <laughs> Well, it's funny you laugh about that, but he you likes, know what? Marcus was right. Everybody was going to talk about silence after the Irishman came yep. out, and you know what? People, people have, yeah. and I'm glad that people have gotten to see that movie because for me, you know, that's the, that's the movie. It's not the Irishman. That's the movie. But whatever. Well, I'm, 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 right. a, I'm a guinea that uh, only likes uh, my uh, movie, so go figure. Well, I can't thank you guys enough for an amazing episode. I feel like this is the best way to bring the year to a close. So Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, all the good stuff for everybody out there. But where can people find y'all online if they want to continue discussing any of the above-mentioned topics? Uh, just Google Zebras in America. That's our podcast. We're on um, iTunes, Google Play, all that stuff. Uh, PinlandEmpire.com. Check out. I did a, a whole best of the decade list, and it coincides with the 10-year anniversary of Pinland Empire. So... Literally, eighty something percent of the movies that are on my best of the decade list, I've written about over the ten years, and I've updated everything and went back and rewritten stuff, caught errors and everything. So, so that's a cool thing. And then also my best of the two thousand nineteen. So those are the two things I really want you guys to to check out. And I got cool st- next year. Like I, you know, I'm already I'm into mid February for Pinland Empire content. Uh, I always have stuff sitting around for Pink Smoke uh, that has yet to be published, so I'm always, I always have stuff for them. Uh, we've got some Zebras in America episodes in the can, so I'm always I'm just you know I'm always active and yeah. And uh, you can find me at Twitter at Rob Cotto at R O B C O T T O. And don't forget to tune in Friday, December twentieth at Fifties on Five to hear in the key of Neil, where Neil Sadaka will discuss. Songs of the 50s. We're doing a holiday episode this year or this this December. And, uh, you know, and hopefully I'll be back on soon with BT and we'll have some interesting announcements. Now that you've had a half bottle of scotch, can uh, you make any predictions about when we're going to see the uh, the rough cut of y'all's secret project? Oh, I'm not talking about that. <laughs> I'm not talking about that. That's that's build, That's BT territory. Uh, you had your eyes closed over your talk. I was going to try to take a picture of you while you, while you weren't paying attention. Oh, no, well, whatever. <laughs> whatever. But no, that's BT territory. But I could, I could tell you guys it's going to be a rock and roll epic. That's what and, you you pe- and you people it's about rock and roll. That's what he and, and says. everybody is going. Not you people, because I don't want to get into the whole Tony Pro thing. But I love that you people joke though, and and the Irishman. I mean, it's kind of pointed. But regardless, I love that joke in Tropic Thunder. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean, you people? What do you mean, you people? Oh, and then, then Al Pacino. That's in yeah, Tropic yeah. Thunder too. Um, but <laughs> but no, no. We have a rock and roll epic that's in the works, and I think that our audience members are gonna or whatever are gonna be very um, very shocked and surprised and genuinely thrilled with. <laughs> the opus that's going to be coming out from BT and company. So. Very nice. Well, we hope you all enjoyed the episode. Please remember to leave us rating, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. And if you want more content, hunt down my YouTube channel, Geeking with James Hancock, where I'm knocking at the door of 19,000 subscribers. So hoping to uh, hit that before the uh, the new year. But uh, I'd like to hit 1,000 subscribers on my Twitter feed, but I doubt that's going to happen. Dick pics, baby. It's a path to glory. In any event, we hope you all have enjoyed this episode <laughs> and definitely check out some of the above mentioned movies. And I'm going to wrap this sucker up. So, as always, onwards and upwards. It ain't like it used to be, but uh, it'll do. You know how to whistle, don't you, Steve? 
You just put your lips together and blow. 